Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk and Thomas Angui from Daft Punk. There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Emmanuel from Daft Punk. Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Let's get back to the to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Pumpkin! Daft Pumpkin! Hello, robots big and small from around the world. This is a live 2021 a Daft Punk podcast, your favorite source for news about the Frenchest robots in the world. I'm Andy. I'm Darren. I'm Devin Rosenai. <laughs> and we are three best friends from Detroit, Michigan, who simply can't get enough of each other. Truly. So much so that we have decided to come together and speak about two gentlemen we will never meet, have never met, will never meet, uh, who have not made any music in almost a decade, but who have impacted our lives so greatly that we can confidently chat about them for upwards of two hours every single week. You know what's very funny? Uh, I I took the weekend off and spent some time with my significant other. You know what I did? What? I I listened to Ram four (laughs) times in four different places. Uh, and we talked about Daft Punk. <laughs> okay, wow. All right. So what? what is your significant other's feelings on this band? Uh, and did she feel uh, like this was an imposition that you made her listen to the same record four times? At the beginning, it got to the point where I mentioned Daft Punk and her eyes kind of glaze over. But oh. I was persistent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, by the end, I think, I think we're sold. I think we're sold that uh, my... my Ram is is a, is a perfect album. Is what I what I am positing, there you go, folks. Perfect album. Uh, I don't want to suggest this um, to your significant other or anyone else because uh, I don't um, I don't want them to know about this. But we have a friend who listens to this show. Who if uh, he starts talking about cats, there's a safe word that if people say right, it around right, him, right, he right. has to stop. Our friend Chris Fortin. <laughs> yeah, that could no, become a situation for Daft Punk with us or the show. The show, God. cats. Yes. The show. Um, also. Shout out Chris Fortin for helping uh, hooking us up with the uh, oh, the, yeah. the Zoom setup. Yeah, uh, for yeah. The, the last uh, week, last week's episode. So we are Thanks, uh, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. Today we will ta- be talking about Daft Punk's first feature length film, Interstellar. How five, five, Interstellar five. got her groove. How back. Interstellar got her groove back. <laughs> the secret <laughs> story of the star system. Uh, uh, but yeah, if you enjoyed our our show with uh, the managing director of Mix Mag, Nick Stevenson. Last week, a uh, big shout out to our buddy Chris Fortin, who supplied us with uh, 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 his Zoom, his premium Zoom subscription. His premium, yeah, so Zoom. We, that's I've right, had Zoom. a lot of Zoom. I've had, yeah. I've had some of the best Zoom. That was some premium. That we, was we all, absolutely okay, top shelf Zoom. We all Zoom, but I, I, I zoom, zoom up here. <laughs> um, I. Uh, Earlier in the pandemic, I was listening to Random Access Memories uh, in my house, and my my wife had nowhere else to go, so she was also listening to yeah, Random yeah, yeah. Access Memories. And I had this moment where uh, we got to contact the closer, and I was I leaned over to her and I was like, um, "There are elements of this song that they used in live mixes in like 1996, so that means that they were working on this specific track." on and off for over 20 years before releasing it. People don't understand that they're perfectionists. And she's just like so supportive and loving and sweet and patient. She just goes, oh, cool. <laughs> like, uh. Uh, I, and at that moment, I realized 
you are right. Absolutely. I probably sometimes need a safe, need word. A safe word. So I'm not constantly talking about these these guys. Because um, uh, uh, that was that was well before they broke up. And it's only gotten worse since then because we started the show. Better. Yeah, it's really better. faster. It's gotten better. It's only gotten better. Uh, yeah, I've I've let um like uh like all great things i've let my love for Def- daft punk fester. fester i've got a festering love for two <laughs> french robots festering love uh we got some wonderful um emails and, and re- correspondence with some of our uh, lovely fans this week uh this was uh from phil s in sheffield england another english bloke who loves the show i think I think it's officially our. I think we can officially say our biggest fan base is in in the UK. I think so. Uh, um, Phil S says, "Guys, loving the podcast. Your combined knowledge, love, and affection for Daft Punk is interstellar." You said it. Ooh, Good. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, one thing about me. I love wordplay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Darren loves wordplay, and. Uh, uh, it's perfect timing because that's the episode we're on today. Um, Phil saw the boys uh, at the Wireless Festival in Leeds. Uh, he's got the specific day, Sunday, June 17th, 2007. I know for a fact that I saw them in August 3rd, 2007. Uh, so uh, I think most people can recall the exact date when they saw these guys. Uh, um, he On the same day he saw... Daft Punk, he saw LCD sound system, metronomy, uh, metronomy. How do you say that one? Metronomy. Metronomy. Klaxons, Calvin Harris, Mark Ronson, Simeon Mobile Disco, Digitalism, CSS, and the New Young Pony Club. All that was a big day. year for Simeon Mobile Disco because that was the year the record came out. Yeah, the first one. Man, that rocked. That was a. What that's a, a great what, year. Yeah, that's a what great. A, what uh, a show. What a show. Uh, so he just wanted to send his love and support. Uh, uh, we also got an email. This was a great email for perfect timing. A lot of people specifically uh, wrote to us this week about Interstellar. Good, good, good. Uh, Nick, Nicholas V, uh, not sure where he's from, but um, he gave us a long email with a bunch of uh, cool stuff. Uh, he wanted us to know that uh, we have a lovely podcast, uh, uh, and he is also a lover of Daft Punk. He said, uh, I did think I could bring a unique perspective and knowledge base to a very niche part of their history. Uh, he said that we he loves that we bring up the gorillas uh, in this conversation with Daft Punk because uh, he, if to him, these two bands are inextricably linked in many ways. Obviously, you know, the, the personas and things like that. But specifically, he let us know. I did not know this existed. There was an official Taiwanese release, on, uh, Taiwanese only promo CD uh, uh, that had half Daft Punk and half uh, Gorillaz stuff on it. Uh, uh, you see this? Like he sent us a picture of it. Uh, it's got there. It's got all the cartoon heads on the CD and the robot heads, and it's got four songs on it. One more time, aerodynamic, and then from Gorillas, tomorrow comes today, and and Clint Eastwood. That was put out in Taiwan to promote Toonami, which we'll talk about later on the episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, because uh, these two bands obviously promoted their cartoon music videos uh, on on. Uh, uh, Cartoon Network. If at you look time. at the CD, it looks like it's telling the story of 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> it really <laughs> does. does. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the apes uh, he also sent us uh, some uh, et- like an enemy uh, mu- uh, cover from around that time where oh, both bands so were cool. featured. I've never seen that either. 
Gorillaz Daft Punk wow. Takeover. It's got uh, both bands on the cover. Um, that is really cool. Uh, um, yeah, he just Gorillaz Takeover. That's Planet of the Apes now. Yeah, that's true. Girl, yeah, if the girls take over, that's a that's movie starring <laughs> Mark Franco. Mark Franco. <laughs> That's not getting edited out. That's not getting edited out. <laughs> Everybody's Mark favorite. Mark Wahlberg and James Franco, two different Planet of the Apes. Who did Planet, yeah, that's two different people who did Planet of the Apes movies <laughs> to various levels of success. Uh, uh, he, uh, this is also, uh, he, he's got some, uh, Nick V's got some amazing info uh, because this is also something I'd never heard of. He says, I really believed in my heart of hearts that they would someday have an official collaboration. Uh, beyond just the music, we all know uh, that it would be killer. Just imagine an animated music video where the crescendos came back for one final time to have shenanigans uh, and maybe face face off against the Gorillas gang in some kind of battle of the bands. The internet would uh, uh, be hype about that. He says that uh, we do also we also know that Damon Albarn and somebody from the Daft Punk camp were in contact with each other for a potential collaboration. He said there's an archived interview where uh, Albarn offhandedly mentions that Daft Punk had mentioned wanting to work with the gorillas. So that that was a, a thing that could have happened. I did not know that. that it they, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they both, I don't know, they both came up at the same time in their respective projects in the 90s, you know, with right Blur, around yeah. with Blur and, and early Daft Punk. And then they both kind of exploded around 2000, uh, around 2000. That's very cool. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. And thank you for that. Uh, yeah. So if you're out there and you have some kind of fun information like that, I would love to hear it because uh, you can't see, but I'm wearing a gorilla's t-shirt right now. <laughs> so uh, uh, the, the fact that that is out there is really incredible. Uh, and I didn't know it. And thank you, Nick V, for letting us on. So if you have some sort of uh, Daft Punk uh, uh, anecdote or information that we missed or you think that uh, uh, might have flown under our radar, send us an email, info at alive2021.com, and we would love to share uh, your your stuff on the show. Also, big news this week. We got shirts. We have shirts this week. We how have we not mentioned that until just now? We have shirts this week, and if you had to guess what they say on them, what do you think? What 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 would you have the shirt say if it were up to I, you? I would probably have something like, um, hmm, "Who are these guys?" There's two of them. Yeah, they're definitely French. Yeah, and the one thing we do know for sure is they're robots. We do know that. So the the shirt you can find at alive2021.com. It has a, a little drawing of their p- famous pyramid. And then in big letters, it says two French robots. And it's got our podcast name and little script under that. They're really cool. Uh, uh, they're awesome. They're very exciting. They're going to ship out sometime in June. But you can pre-order yours right friggin' now also you guys for for those of you who are not in the united states we we haven't figured out international shipping yet uh if it's super urgent to you and you want to figure it out uh you can send us a message and we can probably uh figure something out uh hopefully or we can at least give you a time frame on when we'll be able to ship uh internationally uh but we're really excited about that yeah yeah uh lastly uh uh our friend ryan fust who's emailed us a couple times um emailed us he says first of all super cool that you interviewed Mixbag. uh yeah i agree he said he grew up reading it couldn't be happier that uh 
uh, they talked with us. I agree. That was awesome. Ryan goes on. I know you guys have the Interstellar episode coming up soon, and I wanted to share a small bit of trivia about uh, that that's kind of under the radar. As you know, Interstellar was animated by Matsumoto. He's well known for his sci-fi anime Captain Harlock. During Superheroes and Something About Us, the drummer of the Crescendals wears the same jacket that Captain Harlock wore as seen below. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, you can see it. He's got oh, it right cool. there. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the, that's Captain Harlock. We'll talk about Captain Harlock a little bit later. He's wow. got, I didn't, that's a reference I missed. Uh, he said, furthermore, the same anime was referenced recently by Steven Universe. So, um, yeah, Ryan says the, this movie is by far his favorite thing Daft Punk did. And he's very excited to share that with us. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I think with that. I think we're fucking ready to talk about some Daft Punk. Yes, yeah. now we're ready to talk about. Yeah, Daft now that we've now that we're done talking, talking about, about Daft, Daft Punk, Punk we now we're gonna talk, talk about, about Daft, Daft Punk. Punk. <laughs> <sighs> when Daft Punk began working on the their the second artistic cycle of their career, eschewing the DIY energy of the homework era for the hyper specificity of granular detail that has come to define their output during the discovery years. They had a plethora of grandiose plans that revolved around one simple idea, to recapture the wonder of a, chi- uh, of a child earnestly discovering a love of art. Thomas Bangalter and Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo met as middle school children sitting together on a bus driving uh, them home from a school field trip to Pompeii, and they bonded over old disco records and movies about space. They met when they were young enough to open their souls to music and film without the cynicism and boredom that hardens the way we enjoy media as we grow older. Their friendship, which has always been uh, the beating heart of Daft Punk, was formed and strengthened as two nerdy little kids introduced each other to anime and horror movies and disco and Barry Manilow. Even before... uh, uh, before they even considered that certain musicians or, uh, or filmmakers be, could be quote unquote uncool before their prepubescent brains even entertain the possibility that some movies are lame. And if you like lame things, you'll get made fun of and getting made fun of is the worst possible thing in the world in the eyes of a 12 year old. So you must like cool things and only cool things without, without a clear idea of who exactly is deciding what is cool or not and driving your hormone addled brain crazy, trying to navigate the world of teenager Without embarrassing yourself, Tomas and Gimon forged an unbreakable bond through the simple joy of sharing art. Uh, there is something sad about the way we consume art as we grow older. Uh, with age comes wisdom, uh, but also a loss of innocence. I specifically will never be able to purely enjoy a movie the way I did uh, when I was six years old with the unbridled ecstasy of simply being happy that the idea of movies exist. I I agree with <laughs> your thesis. We as a group have watched some movies that way. <laughs> Absolutely. I, for many years I could not do that. I feel like I've started to recapture that. Yes. Uh, uh, and it it um, yeah, I think in the last year I've been able to specifically with movies been able to turn turn my brain off successfully enough to just enjoy what is happening to me. It is a choice. It is not the way I'm like wired to do things. Yeah. It's like I you have to choose that. Yeah. And uh, uh I am I am ready. I think the I think the world itself has gotten dour enough 
that I don't think that movies are going to continue to be as dour as they have been. <laughs> I'm ready for like that turn in Hollywood. Like, oh yeah, we can make fun movies again because <laughs> everything is so dark and bleak and real and gritty. Uh, I want them to make things like yeah. Demolition Man all, again. <laughs> it all used to be Interstellar, and then it all became Electroma. But it's about to cycle yeah. back around. Yeah, maybe. It's, yeah, maybe. Maybe the, the uh, Electroma <laughs> human after all. Maybe this is all Daft Punk's fault that what we get now is like instead of Bill Odenkirk making sketches, we get him being like a dad that has to beat his <laughs> yeah. way home or whatever. <laughs> What's that movie, Mister Nobody? Dad beats his way home. Dad <laughs> be- beats up people all the way home. Uh, <laughs> uh, we heard from uh, from Tomas last week or a couple weeks ago uh, before uh, Nick's episode that Discovery was about recapturing the magic of childhood of a childhood love of art, scraping away the years of cynicism and critique that can get uh, that can eat away at a person's ability to enjoy things that bring them happiness and simply loving art again through the prism of untainted joy with which only a child can appreciate it. Tomas and Guimon made the intentional choice to gather some decidedly uncool sounds that were incredibly incredibly important to their childhood. Cheesy love ballads from the 70s, wailing guitar solos from the from glam rock bands in the 80s, sprawling and incoherent space operas like The Phantom of Paradise, and packaging them in an optimistic celebration of gratuitous glee, the magic of pure entertainment. And, oh, said Tomas... Around this time, when we when we emerged from that scene, meaning the Paris rave, rave, um, rave scene, hyped as being hip or whatever, we saw that it was very uh, a very post-adolescent world. The most appropriate way to go from this skin-deep world was to go back to childhood. There's no notion of good or bad taste, of things that are not politically correct in the fashion world. You know, just make art. And that's what they kind of wanted to do in this this era. We've talked about it a bunch, and I feel like I've mentioned it. Almost every time it comes up, I want to highlight how much I love the idea of not considering good or bad when evaluating art um, in, 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 in Daft Punk's terms. Uh, I love that idea so, so, so much. I try, you know, especially since we've started doing this, I've really focused on liking things I like because I like them and not worrying because of that, being conscious of that. And let me tell you guys out there, I'm sure you guys agree with me in this room, uh, but there is, there's a creative part of your brain that just can just roll. I think, yeah, I think that that's a thing that every teenager goes through when they, especially if they, if they are drawn to like art or music is you're going, you're you're full of hormones, and you're gonna want to be cool, and you're gonna be snotty about music. Like you are going, like it's just something that everybody has to work through. Yeah. This music, uh, house music, dance music, taught me that people like what they like, yeah. and like I understand that a lot of people in the world thinks this think this sucks because <laughs> it's loud and sometimes abrasive and repetitive. I love it. And that taught me, like, oh, I don't have to be snobby about stuff. Like, me, like music doesn't suck. I just am I'm not drawn to it. So uh, uh, it's like it's a it's a much healthier, much more positive way. I think to live. so. Yeah. In the midst of developing this idea into the music of discovery, Tomas and Guiman, while talking about their future on a balcony overlooking Los Angeles, sometime in early 1999, first. 
discussed the idea of making a movie to accompany the record instead of uh, traditional music videos uh, like they had done for homework. Like we discussed in the Discovery episode, the bots are notorious for taking a nugget of an idea and letting it grow until it's bigger than anyone imagined. Uh, friends, especially artistic friends, talk about big project and late night balcony pipe dream discussions all the time. Not everyone is good. Not, not everyone is ambitious, uh, is as ambitious as Tomas and Guiman to turn all of those wishful discussions into reality. We've all been there. We have absolutely all been there. We, in, as a group, uh, um, we have we've had these big idea discussions that don't end up turn going anywhere. Uh, but that's just part of it, right? Like like idea generation is part of art. Uh, these guys just have a thing in their brain where they can I like generate that idea and then like make it happen. And also, we have no relationship to the things that they didn't make happen. That's so, true. Like, I would be very interested to hear what other nuts ideas they had that they didn't follow I'm through sure. on. I'm sure. There's a whole there's a whole litany of probably yeah. wild movies and shit that they've thought up. I'm sure at some point they discussed a video mm-hmm. element to RAM, right? Every yeah. cycle, every album cycle they had, there was some sort of movie involved. Small scale, like a collection of music videos for Daft for homework. This was much bigger. Electroma was was in some ways bigger than uh, a bigger undertaking than even Interstellar, they never did. I'm sure that at some point they discussed some big idea. Yeah, I mean they had the music videos, but they didn't. It, it would have been. Yeah. I would have loved to have. Man, that would have been really cool. I'm trying, I'm trying to yeah, they had what music, that would have music like. videos, but they didn't. They didn't do any like a project. Yeah, that, yeah. that would have been really cool. Uh, here's Tomas talking about uh, this idea. From the start, uh, our approach has been really. A global uh, from a creative standpoint and 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 not just purely musical and and people maybe it, it took a little bit of time for people to understand that and 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 thinking that there would there would it was maybe music with with some uh, <coughs> people would see it maybe with mu- music with a very clever marketing around or something like that but but it was not, it was not that at all and and we really focused on on expressing ourselves and expanding uh, this creation from um, music and, and tracks and 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 then working on a, a DVD or music music different music videos at the time or 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 a, a Japanese animation film or a film or, or a tour and 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 with uh, all of these elements um, being as important or a full part of what we're doing. And, and and not just about okay with it's you know 15 years down the line we've done three albums and our studio albums and that's it and 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 looking at all of these elements and 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 taking the time to work on all these different sides of of the project because uh it's really in this combination of all these um all these art forms and that we thought that there was an opportunity for us to to express something that would maybe go beyond a musical trend I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of folks look at the 28-year Daft Punk career and say four albums, a movie score, a live album, and they forget about this stuff. But this is as much of Daft Punk's output as anything. And I, I wonder if I wonder if they're 
I wonder if they're a little bummed that like Interstellar kind of gets lost in the discussion of like the stuff that Daft Punk gave to the world, you know? Yeah, I guess in retrospect, maybe I, I, I don't know. I wasn't a part of the conversation at the time, but I, for me, it's so inextricably linked because this was such an entry point for my age group when this was coming out. Absolutely. But in retrospect, it you're right. It's not as we don't we don't discuss this with the same. There are some um, like amazingly huge fans of this anime. We're yeah. like, this is what they know. And like Ryan, our friend said that this is his favorite thing Daft Punk did. Uh, and yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of people our age connected to as children. But I think in the broad like conversation of Daft Punk's legacy, this Electroma, uh, uh, they don't they don't they're not part of the discussion in a way I think they should be because um, it like we've said, these these are modern Renaissance men and the that the stuff that they chose to bring to the world is not limited to music. They have there's a there's a fucking thousand dollar light up coffee table that is produced by that was created and designed by daft punk not tomas or Gimon, daft like they, they they've made tables they've made art they've made music they've made movies they made multimedia yeah like they they uh they wanted they wanted the world to see them as more than just musicians and sometimes we forget that i think though there there is the other side of that coin which is there is an element to daft punk's music that we've talked about a lot that they found a way to take this 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 sound make it palatable to just about anybody if you you know what i mean like it's it's tough if somebody says they don't like daft punk to me i would challenge them that they have been in some way conditioned to not like yeah whatever because it's difficult like like a song like get lucky like it's hard to say i hate those noises you I, know? get lucky get lucky and one more and time, one more time will yeah. probably be played at every wedding right. until the end and of the is, heat death of so, the universe. so my point my point is with that I, I find it hard to believe that somebody just dislikes those songs yeah. but there are people who just do not like cartoons or just you know what i mean so like there isn't that much i don't fucking like cartoons. or i mean or anime that style yeah, yeah. you know that's yeah. i mean i'm just saying like like of course, the the get luckies and the one more times of their career are going to resonate more, I, you know. I, and I know that that kind of sucks because we think of the way that we create, which is we put the same amount yeah. into everything. Like again, they they didn't know Discovery is going to be as big as it is. It, just like they didn't know Interstellar would get a you know glossed over for a whole group of people or whatever out there. So I think that like they didn't. Again, it's the whole. It's the whole that we talk about. Daft Punk is the whole thing yeah um um i like i i am am somebody that never found a way into anime i have a ton of friends that love anime uh i've seen some i never i've never really actively searched it out that being said as a kid this spoke to me because of the music and that this element as a kid the idea that gorillas was putting out this music that I was like, Whoa, what is this? And then they were also cartoons in this style that really made me excited. Uh, um, yeah. But like, I, so for, for me though, like, like I'm, I'm almost like the other side of that because I, I, I I mean, we know how I feel about Daft Punk, uh, but I like anime a lot. I still watch a lot of anime to this day. And, um, I'm not going to turn interstellar off by any stretch of the imagination, but it is not, my favorite of either of those two things that I love. Um, because for me, it's just, it's, it's not 
what I what I'm looking. You know what I mean? Like, and I respect it. I like it a lot. I enjoy the hell out of it when I when I watch it. Yeah. But like, it's it's not it's not one of those things that's like a you know like I can turn on I will turn on one more time just because I love that song. Anytime, any day. You I know? never won't turn on exactly. One more time. <laughs> I'm not gonna like. I'm bored. Let's watch Interstellar again. Or you know, I'm not gonna do that. I um, never won't turn it on I, one more time. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? I never won't. I've turn never it on. stopped turning it I've on. I've never stopped turning it on. One more time. <laughs> Everyone never... at home listening, take some time to unpack. That. Yeah, just unpack that sentence. <laughs> they all they get it. They're fans of the show. They get it. Uh, while the duo was still completing work on Discovery, the earliest plans for the film, which would eventually become Interstellar Five 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 Five, the story of the secret star system, were laid. Uh, Tomas said at the time, the Interstellar project was born in 1999 at the same time uh, as we were writing the second album, Discovery. The record was edited as a soundtrack for a rock opera a la Who. So that that I had never really considered before putting this together that that and we talked about the sequencing on on Discovery uh, in in that episode. They they sequenced that as the story to tell for this, which I, yeah, which makes total sense now when I really watch interstellar with a close eye. Uh, um, and we, we talked about how well that album flows and it, they put that together with the idea that, that it was going to tell the story of this movie, which is very interesting to me. Uh, Tomas Aguiman sat down with longtime friend and artistic collaborator, Cedric Hervé to talk about the film. Hervé has worked with the boys in many different roles uh, over the years. He has worked at da- he worked at Daft Arts for almost the entirety of the entity's existence. He was Daft Punk's creative director for much of their career. He did all of the art design for Random Access Memories and has a co-producer credit on Human After All. Uh, 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 he also designed many of Daft Punk's visuals that were used over the years. Uh, I, I believe he's uh, has a co-writer credit on Electroma. He's just ha- he's been one of their their main collaborators uh, for their entire career. In his life away from Daft Punk, he's a celebrated furniture craft- craftsman and woodworker known for his retro futuristic pieces. And I would highly recommend you look up his name, Cedric Hervé, and his his uh, his furniture rocks. Uh, along with Hervé, the bots developed a story about the predatory nature of the recording industry. A story about breaking free of the creative oppression many artists feel from the entertainment economy. It should be no surprise to listeners of this podcast that that particular topic interested Tomas and Guimán after everything we have learned about their yearning for control. You know, this I think the thesis of Interstellar ties back all the way to the first quote that we said uh, on this podcast about these guys. Uh, said Tomas, uh, Interstellar was written in 1999. It is a, the photograph of our doubts at the time. They have only gotten worse. We haven't written any songs together since Discovery. This was in like 2003 around the release of the movie as a whole. Uh, the place of techno has been diluted. How can we experiment? Um, we're going to put a pin in that idea because we're going to discuss that much. Uh, we're going to discuss that later. Uh, uh, but that that's that was their sentiments when the movie finally came out <laughs> was like uh, uh, everything that the movie explored in the four years between writing it and finally getting it out. It only got worse. <laughs> One of the classic things that almost every big group does is they put out their their first record and it's all the stuff they've been working on for a long time. 
And then they put out a thing about what it's like to be in a famous band. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's sophomore thing is is like that. It's <coughs> about like the intense weird <coughs> pressure of becoming famous, and it's that's interesting. You know what the, that Daft Punk didn't do that I think so we always hear about the sophomore slump, right? Yeah, and it's because like they're an album like a person's debut album a band's debut album is stuff they've been working on for years struggling to come up through the industry getting noticed like that's a their fir- a first album is a collection of of a band forming right yeah. and there's always usually really interesting stuff on there but then they get if, especially if it's a hit they're like you need the next one you yeah. have a year to put out the next one. And that's where people get in trouble. Yeah. Right. Cause like it could, that could have been the first album was like maybe a decade's worth yeah. of work. And now the industry is telling them you need to go right now and make another one. Daft Punk took three years in between uh, home four, almost four years in between homework and discovery. They, they, they did not rush that album. Uh, uh, and they, instead of like capitalizing on the success of homework, they were like, we're we're gonna we're going to reinvent ourselves in an incredibly specific way, yeah, to their benefit. Yeah, I think I don't know. I feel like a lot of fans. <gasps> I think because of some of the stuff we see in the anime, bands are not afforded the opportunity to do that often. You know, it's like they have a contract signed for, you know, four records, and there's timelines for all of it, and you end up with this. Like, I mean, bands today now have like a. a year-long album release cycle and then they put out another one right after yeah if they put out albums at all (laughs) right yeah exactly (laughs) i guess we kind of lost that songs (laughs) yeah but i I don't it is it's they they made the correct industry moves at this time absolutely absolutely as tim heidecker once said (laughs) (laughs) the original idea for the project was to do something live action uh, Tomas told Liberation magazine <laughs> that cannot be how you say that word in, in French in 2003 that they had approached Spike Jones with this idea. The bots had worked with Jones, obviously, in the past. He was the director of their first music video with Charles the Dog. Uh, and he made a cameo in the Fresh video they self-produced. And they clearly kept in touch because Jones uh, introduced Tomas and Guimond to Tony Gardner, who was uh, who helped create the helmets. Unfortunately, Jones had his hands filled with being John Malkovich, and they couldn't make it work. Uh, ultimately, Tomas and Guimond pivoted to the idea of a cartoon. They briefly considered a few different styles of art and filmmakers, but the answer was almost too obvious. In the spirit uh, of the music of Discovery, Tomas and Guimond looked back to their childhood to draw inspiration from an unabashedly important work uh, to their love of art, uh, the work of anime legend Leji Matsumoto. He's like an, an old guy kind of a ma- anime legend in japan anime legend and right. worked up on, on a lot of a lot of uh, animation and uh, we're really fan of his work broadcasting friends when we were little kids and we just uh, thought that it could be fun to 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 come to him and and to present him the project that we wanted to 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 achieve which was about uh, making a different uh, like a succession of, of music videos we, we thought about the four first four so each one is related single yeah so it's kind so, of a so continuing far. story yes mm. the, the 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 
um, there's been three videos so far mm. and uh, the fourth video is on its way so that, you heard it here first folks Lajibatsumoto is like a really old guy <laughs> I, I considered starting that clip after that point but i was like that is that's a, the funniest thing i've ever he's heard. like an old guy <laughs> oh man that so great very funny uh um that th that interview i took off there is on youtube it's one of the most viewed daft punk interviews on youtube and all the comments with that soft music and and in this one tomas is particularly soft spoken all of the comments are like amsr fans <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny uh um absolutely uh matsumoto um uh, Matsumoto, born in 1938, has been creating manga and anime since the 1950s. Tomas and Gimon were both enormous fans of one specific series Matsumoto created, Space Pirate Captain Harlock, uh, uh, known under the title Albator in France, that ran for 42 episodes in the 70s about a brooding space captain and his crew. When we were a child, there was the Captain Harlock... Uh... Animation was really big in, uh, in France, and so we've been uh, loving it since we were five or six years old when we were kids. So, and this this feeling didn't uh, go away with the years. That's Gimon. I always like hearing Gimon. He barely ever talks. Gimon. Shout out to Gimon. He's he's you know we don't hear as much from him just because he doesn't talk, but when he does talk, it's always lovely. Uh, um, Thanks for giving. Half of Daft Punk a shout out on the show. <laughs> shout out to Gimon. Well, it's, it, I, I, it Thanks for to, shouting him out. It has to be talked about because like almost all of the quotes from Daft Punk as an entity are Tomas. You know, like yeah. like you'll watch interviews and and Gimon will just be sitting there with his hand in his cheek, like wanting to be anywhere else. Like this was this was the part of the shit that he did not want to do. Yeah. And and lucky for him, like Tomas was was game to like be the voice Little chatty guy uh he's much more chatty um um but it gives it, it gives like when gimon does talk uh I, f I feel like i tend to perk up a little bit because uh it when when he feels the need to speak it means that uh he, he really wants to talk yeah uh, so i i like i perk up when i hear gimon because it's like he chose this moment in this 25 minute interview. He chose these 30 seconds to talk about something he re was really interested in. So, so it must be worth paying attention to. Um, I, I found a clip, uh, from a magazine article, this Q and a, and this guy was like asking them really asinine questions and, uh, uh, just like, whatever, just stupid, like teeny bopper magazine questions. And at one point, uh, he's like, so if you could have any other body part robot, what would it be? And and um, Tomas is like, maybe arms. Like that might be work work with the the knobs and stuff. We could like whatever. And Gimon's just like, I'd have two penises. <laughs> <laughs> like double the pleasure. <laughs> That's what the guy wanted him to say. <laughs> That's very funny. Um. Said Tomas about Captain Harlock, Albator is about space and the cosmos and just spiritual crazy shit. When we were five watching the show, drawing spaceships, it was part of the building of our being. Both Tomas and Gimon watched Albator when they were five years old and have fond memories of uh, the space odyssey 
Um, it was an informative experiment experience in their early love of art. And once they met as teenagers, they bonded over their mutual love of esoterica like Mazimoto uh, or like cheesy 70s music doing impre- or doing impressions of silly old French TV magician with a wild, like high pitched laugh called Garcimore. Uh, I, I tried to. Like this was from an interview they did. Like don't like Gimon was like, yeah, we became friends like making fun of this French TV magician named Garcimore. I was gonna add a clip of him laughing, but it's just like, it's very weird. This is like <laughs> this old man do like pulling shit out of hats, and I he's like just like that. his laugh is just like. <laughs> we'll watch that. We'll watch, <laughs> we'll watch that, watch that after later. This. Look up Garcimore, but I can just imagine like a seventeen-year-old Gimon walking through the halls of the most famous French high school and be like. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very funny. Um, they used to scrawl. They used to sit and scrawl Leji Matsumoto drawings onto their desks at the Lycée Carnot in Paris, where they met. Uh, and that's according to The Face magazine. Uh, so the bots traveled to Japan in July 2000 to meet with Matsumoto and talk about a potential partnership. Said Tomas, uh, in Japan, we approached Leslie Matsumoto. We didn't think of him as a director, but as a beacon. He was our absolute reference. His work on Albator had intoxicated our childhood. We just wanted him to advise us. The meeting took place at the legendary manga artist's personal home, and the bots immediately knew they were in the right place. Said Tomas, his house is just like cartoons. It's all sci-fi. It's basically like a like a spaceship. Is like the guy like built a spaceship to live in. <laughs> If you liked that quote from The Face Magazine, check out our interview with managing director of The Face Magazine, Nick Stevenson, last week. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's managing director of Kerrang! in the face as well. Oh, man. I didn't even realize that. That's that was part of that. Yeah. I rang a bell and I was like, you know what? That's part of that network. That's yeah. part of Nick's network. That's awesome. That uh, I uncovered a, an old PDF of an article The Face Magazine wrote about them around this time. That's great. It was like it was a magazine that was around for a long time and then it was relaunched a couple years ago. Um, very yeah, cool. that rocks. Very cool. It's hard. It's hard for me to wrap my head around them growing up watching anime in the seventies because I don't know that America had that kind of exposure to that at that time. No. I know like Kimba the White Lion was on. I know Speed Racer was one of the only crossover shows. We get Miyazaki movies a little bit in the nineties, and then the explosion is Pokemon and Dragon yeah. Ball Z and Sailor Moon. So like, my perception of anime in america is like it hardly existed before yeah. the 90s but it I was had a, curious, a wider crossover back then i was curious about because the, the way they talked about it was like we're five this is huge in france but the th- like i when i was five i thought that the cartoon um super ted and spotty man was huge and nobody else has ever heard of that <laughs> cartoon so i was like is this huge in france or was it just something that they their parents had a vhs copy of it the the wikipedia specifically mentions that this this um, matsumoto cartoon was wildly popular in france they would have only had a couple channels and no yeah. access to rewatching stuff yeah right at that point yeah that so it would have had to have been because like i don't know i when i when I was thinking about it, I was like, what do you mean they grew up watching anime? Yeah. They were born in the 70s. So right? it was like it, this was it was legitimately something that was popular in France at the time, unlike Super Ted and Spotty Man. <laughs> that was popular in 
That was popular in the Reed household because my mom found a VHS copy of it. I'll be honest. I think our listeners probably know what that is because that's, I think that's a English thing. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's definitely an English thing. It is not. It it is not not an American thing. It is not popular in America at all. You're on the right podcast for talking about that. (laughs) Yeah. Any folks out there from the UK and know Super Ted and Spotty Man, hit me up on Twitter. We could talk about it. (laughs) I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Nobody in America has. Like, there's there's cartoons that I watched as a kid. My mom was a a preschool teacher, and I was like, oh, everybody knows these cartoons. Fucking nobody knows these cartoons. Uh, It's just a weird VHS uh, tape I had. Uh, so they, uh, Guimán and Tomás discussed the idea they had developed with Hervé, and they put on the Discovery record to give Matsumoto an idea of what he would potentially be working with. Guimán said, we listened to Discovery sitting around a table with a ghetto blaster, and he was concentrating and telling us what feeling he was getting from the record. He was really poetic. He was seeing stars and stuff. He was in the cosmos. He's a really psychedelic character, very stylish, very friendly. He was on like this totally cool wavelength. From Leji Matsumoto himself, when I listen to music, I always see pictures. The day Tomas and Guimán asked me to imagine a visual universe from their music, I was delighted. I wouldn't have dared to do it from classical music because everyone already had their images, but they made me listen to the record before it was released, and I was very excited. I immediately saw flashes of light. Their music exactly matched the images of an uh, animated space opera that had been running through my head for a while. So that's very cool. That's a cool way to listen to music. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, brother. I, I, like, can you imagine like li- like sitting down with your childhood hero and be like, listen to this I'm, thing I made and him visualizing a space opera to your art? That's cool. <laughs> I don't know that I would want to do that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I want to go to my childhood heroes and make them visualize space I, operas. Go to the creators of Super Ted. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Think about what this music makes yeah. you think about. The music clicked for Leji, and obviously Leji's visual style and movie-making ability meant a lot to Tomas and Guimán. But from the first meeting, the bots and the manga master learned that it was practically fate that they would team up for a project. Leji's work uh, in Japanese anime had introduced Daft Punk to sci-fi wonder and futuristic aesthetic. Daft Punk, in turn, learned that uh, learned that French cinema had a similarly important role in Leji's artistic awakening. In 1955, at the age of 17, Matsumoto left Japan for the first time, a trip to Paris where he visited the Louvre and made ancient uh, and uh, visited ancient ruins from around the Middle Ages, from which he drew inspiration for what would eventually become Albator. He saw French cinema uh, around Paris, specifically a movie called Marianne of My Youth, starring Marianne Hold, said Leji, mysterious, blonde, very pa- uh, very thin, pale complexion, big eyes. She is the matrix of most of my female characters. And the film itself inspired me a lot. An almost fantastic world where illusion played a bigger part. Julien Duvier was a great filmmaker. Tomas and Guimond were shocked to find out that Leji had based all of his female characters on a 40-year-old French uh, film. Although, as Tomas put it, Matsumoto knows nothing about house culture and lives in a house that looks like a toy store. <laughs> it was something of a dream of his to work with French artists on some sort of projects. That's very cool. That rocks. Like, how, they didn't even know any of that uh, uh, before they went out there. But really, the thing that nailed the partnership together was a shared reverence for the connection between childhood wonder and the magic of art. Said Leji. 
They told me they discovered Albator at the age of five. This is the age when we imprint what will influence uh, influence us for the rest of our lives. I myself experienced this when I discovered, also at the age of five, the manga of Osamu Tezuka. So, like, they are also on the same wavelength of, like, drawing love of art and inspiration from childhood. So that's cool. Uh, this is Gimon talking about using Interstellar Project to bring the, the two, Japan and France, together. It's good to exchange ideas and feelings and cultures between whether it's France or any, of the, any other country here in Japan. And I think it's good for, for everybody on the world to, to travel. And if it's not traveling, to exchange ideas and uh, share music or art. Because it can, uh, it can bring everyone many gifts to travel and, uh, and uh, share everything we can to learn more, more about uh, oneself and try to bring uh, maybe peace. Their goal is to bring peace. <laughs> Their goal is to bring peace. <laughs> Uh, in the Discovery episode, we learned about how grateful Edward Birdsong was that the bots pulled his song Kolabala Baby out of obscurity uh, and introduced it to a new global audience. Tomas and Guimon will do the same with heroes like Giorgio Moroder again in the future. But here is another instance of Daft Punk giving one of their uh, artistic influences an international bump and showcasing their work to a growing fan base. Said Leji. It was a childhood dream of me to offer my visions to a larger audience. I didn't really believe in it anymore. And then at the dawn of the 21st century, Daft Punk came to find me. Um, which is very, that's such a, like, they, again and again, we hear like these old guys say stuff like that about these two. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah, they, I agree. Like, elevate and support uh, um, some folks that, you know, not Leggy was still producing a lot of stuff at this time, but I don't think after Cal Captain Harlock, I don't think he ever got anything like out into the world like he had or had wanted to. It's kind of a funny sentence. Uh, it's a ch like, in other words, it was a childhood dream of mine as an artist to be more famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I, as a child, I wanted to be very famous. <laughs> after the meeting, Matsumoto agreed to hop on the project. Uh, he was a visual supervisor and producer while other anime artists like Shinji Simuzu oh and Kazushia Takunochi also helped produce and direct. Uh, Gimon, Tomas, Cedric Herbe, uh, Daft Punk manager Pedro Winter, and frequent Daft Punk collaborator and former Roulet employee Gildas Loic teamed up with Toei Animation after working uh, on the music for Discovery in microscopic detail for two and a half years. Daft Punk relished the opportunity to put the music down for a little while and focus their artistic energy on a new, exciting project. As Tomas described it, Music is always the center, but it evolves with uh, different satellites around it, like homework with the different music videos and then the DVD. We did that fully, uh, fully produced where uh, we stopped making music for like six months. When we did this film, we made the album Discovery, and then we produced the film around it, learning all about the animation industry. It was a very personal experience. When you start uh, from the music and then you get to have life experiences, seeing a lot of Japanese culture, and then finally... When the film was good, uh, good to go for Khan, going and finishing the production, mixing the DTS and the Dolby Digital, 
in this big auditorium, just looking at different experiences from, uh, such as that brought a lot of new ideas to us to go uh, to the next musical step, things that will help us to evolve and do something different. It was the same as when we turned into robots, going to Los Angeles, meeting all these special effects guys, having your face molded. It's just very fun to do. We tend to alternate between living with the music and having these life experiences, making the music we want, and also taking the time not to be in a rush, to listen, to look at what's happening in the world, in society. Yeah, I think that ties back into them being a renaissance, man. I think it also would just, it would suck to put your head down and do studio stuff and then immediately turn around and put your face back in the studio, you know, and just, yeah. uh, it, I, I, I like that approach a lot. Like let it breathe, give it some time. Let's go do things and yeah. see things and travel and have fun. And <clears throat> it feels like, it feels like the way we produce stuff like on such, you know, on our little tiny scale at a, at a black box theater in Detroit. But like we, you know, we work on our show twine peaks for four months and that's yeah. like consumes my brain and all of my artistic energy. And then I, then that's done. And I'm like, okay, yeah. like now I can do something else. I don't have to write another play. I can focus on improv or I can, can focus direct on the show. Podcasts. We can do the podcast for a while. We can do music. That is, it is, it's a great way to do stuff. Cause I don't know. Yeah. You get to, to, um, locked in to yeah. one thing and it can be deflating and you lose the energy and the excitement and what makes it special. Yeah. The last thing you want is for it to not be fun anymore. Right. right? <laughs> Production on Illerstella 555 began in October 2000. I can only imagine how furious Virgin Records execs were when they uh, were presented with a bona fide hit like One More Time with no supporting video. But as we discussed in the Discovery episode, the bots at the time were not interested in producing purely promotional material. They wanted everything they created in, during this era to be imbued with artistic spirit. So when the single dropped in November, just a scant month after uh, starting work on the anime, it reached number 62 on the Billboard Hot 100 without support of a video to play on MTV. If you're younger than 25, you have no idea how crazy this is for an era in which one uh, for the era in which one more time was released in fact uh, the first three singles on discovery one more time aerodynamic and digital love all released without a supporting video uh, those would eventually be released uh, uh, as sing as videos on uh, um, Cartoon Network but like this would have been peak TRL peak right? TRL oh, right yeah, 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah, that's absolutely peak PTRL. Carson Daly. Like this was an era some when of the I would Carson is Daly. Some what the, the world <laughs> had ever seen at that time. Yeah, and uh, like I remember like going to my friend Justin's house after school because Blink One Eighty Two was releasing a new uh, video, and like we would yeah, all be. This like, is the year of like this is Enema of the State. Take off your pants and jacket. Years right, ninety nine, two thousand two. I think yeah. are those records. This yeah. is right around. That's really nuts. This is this is in sync. Britney Spears, like the like Eminem. This is like Eminem. Yeah. This is, of Eminem. This is the this is the pinnacle of music videos as like a driving yeah. force in the entertainment industry. It's hard to think of Daft Punk and Eminem being contemporaries, <laughs> but they're they both blew up. Yeah, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, really weird. Uh, Tomas and Guimond and Cedric traveled to Japan once a month to oversee production of the film and learn about the country. The experience undoubtedly helped them. Uh, the release of Discovery, their personal, the robot personas, and especially the production of an anime film with a Japanese manga legend all combined to explode Daft Punk's uh, popularity in Japan. Japan is a place uh, 
I really like, I think, and um, I don't really understand it yet. And the more I come here, the more I understand it one step at a time. So it's a very good um, experience, especially for this video for one more time to work with Leji to try to collaborate artistically between France and Japan. Despite the language barrier, it's been a great pleasure and it's a really good opportunity to, to discover what might be one of the further culture from from the French one. Yeah. Uh, this was the start of a special relationship between Daft Punk and Japan. Discovery went platinum in the country. Daft Club, Music Volume 1, and Random Access Memories, which went gold, uh, were all released in Japan with exclusive bonus tracks. And Human After All remix album, now available on Spotify, was released ex uh, initially exclusively in Japan. That was the only place you could get that remix album at, uh, at the time. Ten months after beginning the project and five months after the re release of Discovery, Daft Punk unveiled the first 17 and a half minutes, which covers the first four tracks of the album on Cartoon Network's anime block Toonami. You guys might remember that Toonami commercial. Those those early robot voices are hilarious. Wild. Wild. They never use them again, really, after this era. Really not really not in this era either. There's yeah. this commercial and there's that weird that weird press kit, digital press kit they put out where they use the robot voice. It is it's striking. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's very that's very funny. Yeah, they just again like we talked about, they just didn't quite get didn't it yet. It, it yet. is so funny and awkward and dorky, and it's dorky in a very cool it way. Is, they're still twenty five. Yeah, you know, it's like there's a different energy to being in a robot suit <laughs> when you're forty than it is when you're twenty five. <laughs> you can tell they're having a little more uh, fun with it. Yeah, they haven't put on the it's cape novel, yet or whatever. It's still novel to them. Yeah, it's right. Still, yeah. Uh, but yeah, by random access memories, it's like so deeply ingrained as like something they have to do. I have like I, I, I when like, I put on the robot. Yeah, that I, it's like then it's like look, I spent look, a million I, dollars on my helmet. This <laughs> helmet, also, I spent a million dollars on this. I, I worked with NASA so my head could say love or whatever. <laughs> That's very exciting. It's yeah. not a prison. Yet. Also, like the fur, the deeper you get into being robots, the higher the stakes are about. Being robots, because like once you once you open yourself up to okay, we don't want to do this bit anymore. If not, not that they ever would, they then would just be interviewed retroactively about everything. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, right. it would, like so yeah, it's, it's like it's, it becomes. Yeah. It needs to become this mythos that it becomes. It needs to. It it's is. A, at it is point not, they have to be robots. Yeah. Here they I mean, get to be. <laughs> they get to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's exactly. It. I think yeah. right now they're having the fun of getting to be robots, yeah. and I think like yeah, the mythos grows, and they but then they have to be robots, and yeah. to do that you have to. Grow Grow this that legend is absolutely around true. It. What yeah. would it? What would it have been like if, like, yeah. after Ram, they got burnt out on that, but they were still doing stuff. You're right. And they suddenly took them off, and then had to answer. It would be terrible. Questions. It would be yeah. terrible. It would be miserable. It'd it be would be miserable for us, even though we would listen to every word they said. It would be miserable for everyone if they were just like, "Yeah, we aren't robots anymore." I would love to hear that. We are human after yeah. all. <laughs> I was thinking about it when you said they were going to Japan once a month. What what a fun thing that would yeah. be if you're 25, you have a huge hit record, yeah, 
and all this stuff going on, and you're just traveling to Japan to do stuff. Those clips of That's them talking about energy. spending time in Japan, and you know, like they they had they had traveled a lot with the Alive ninety seven rig. But just to have that, that's like that's fucking summer abroad. And you know, traveling mid twenties, like traveling for music, touring is not a pleasant experience. Yeah, you know, it can be fun because the shows are fun, but you're in the van or yeah. you're in on the plane, and you are city to city, and you don't get to do much because it's such a rigorous schedule. This is like it's a work trip where it's like I'm gonna go stay in the yeah. same hotel and I'm gonna go hang out in the neighborhood after work's done. It's not like. I have to do sound check at four. We play late and then I leave. Yeah, you know, absolutely. that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, they really cherish their time, I think, in Japan, uh, as we've heard. And that is awesome. So it was uh, the the tsunami bit was an instant hit uh, with the teen anime crowd uh, in a retrospective uh, for Van uh, Vanya Land. One reviewer said it was then and still is now a perfect pairing of form and musician and it was just fantastic for its intended audience not only was this a cool cartoon but it was made by two robots uh daft punk uh and the animation team continued to work on the movie after the release of the toonami block the work pushed all the way through 2002 and into 2003 this was a quiet time for the band, similar to how they had gone dark uh, to work on new project after the homework era. Uh, as word got out that Daft Punk was nearing completions on an actual movie, people in their native country of France were obviously excited to see what their two favorite little robots had been up to since taking the world by storm with their sophomore album more than two years ago. So that like that like Discovery was a bona fide smash hit success brought a lot of attention a lot more attention to french music uh um to daft punk themselves they had the robot personas they had the attention of the music industry and then they just kind of disappeared to work on this this thing for a, a couple years they didn't tour they they said like you know we're interested in other things right now uh um i think part of it was that they they want they didn't quite know how to tour with the robot rig right. and everything yet. I think that was part of it. I think even here and discovery was not a tourable album. You don't think so? You know what I mean? It, it was, but they, it was not, there was not a rig, a live. Yeah, I mean, way it's, that, it's difficult to yeah. comprehend you how they would do. It. You can't do a live yeah. 2007 with discovery yet because the technology doesn't exist. I think, you know, yeah, I think that would have been a DJ. set. it would have been a DJ. set. it would have to be. Yeah. Or, I mean, and and mixing just homework and discovery together, like they gave themselves more yeah. more stuff at, like when they did the tour. I think that they had I think even now they had an idea of what a live two thousand seven would look like. And you're right, they're just like technologically there was no way for them it's to impossible. do that. Impossible. It was I mean, in two thousand seven it was still years and years yeah. and years ahead of its so time. They, yeah, so they just kind of like put their heads down and worked on this. People were getting excited. France's most famous uh, musicians were a natural pairing for France's most famous film festival, and the duo were invited to debut the full feature at uh, the director's fortnight portion of the 2003 Cannes Film Festival. They accepted the invitation before the film was done. The six weeks before the premiere, Tomas and Guimond spent exclusively in Tokyo, working almost around the clock to rush to finish the movie. The film was completed just three days before their allotted time at the festival. That is insane. Isn't that crazy? Like that, that must have been one of the most, like I can't even imagine how stressful that would have been. 
uh, true to their party nature, Tomas and Guimán threw a premiere at Cannes where they, quote-unquote, got good and drunk up on the balcony overlooking the dance floor while their manager, Pedro Winter, played White Stripes tunes and mixes of Discovery tracks. Projected onto the screens around the uh, open-air dance floor was Daft Punk's new film, a huge red neon outline of a guitar sh- uh, shined out uh, from the sides of the building. Uh, uh, that was, that was also from the face <laughs> shout yeah. out Nick. Oh, yeah. Uh, it took three years and 4 million euros, which equates to about $6.7 million in 2021 USA dollars to complete the film. These dudes... I could have done it for half that. <laughs> they should have asked me to. They should have. I could have made it. I could have made it. I could have done for half that. 25 years old. The, the studio is not going to fund your stupid cartoon project. These dudes spent. Um, upward like spent almost all their money to make this cartoon that's wild that scared us a little bit admitted tomas comparing the project to the eight, uh, pounds uh english the duo invested in their self-produced music video for the homework era uh, fresh quote unquote there's so um there's so much money uh, there's so much more money involved in the movie bin- business that uh, very few people have the freedom to do exactly what they want to do. But we paid for this project for money we made from selling records. If it's crap, no one's going to blame us because we're paying for it. <laughs> That's wild. I, it's it's wild. Yeah. Wild. Uh, it was kind of a cult hit from the get-go. Movie critic Jeremy Hellman said at the time, it's a futuristic Fantasia that incidentally beats the pants off of Disney's own Fantasia 2000. Uh, once again, Tomas... Yeah, I know. It was like, why take a shot at Fantasia <laughs> 2000? That guy's got a bone to pick. Yeah, I hated Fantasia hey, can 2000. can you write up the Daft Punk thing? Yeah, but if you let me do my yeah. thing about how I'm so upset about Fantasia 2000. <laughs> I'm still so mad about Fantasia 2000. Once again, Tomas and Guimond proved that betting on themselves, quite literally in this case, proved to be the smart move. Uh, a non-verbal anime space opera set to a two-year-old neo-futuristic disco record grossed $58.2 million off their initial 4 million euro investment. How? What does that mean? They, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like a hit. This is made almost $60 million. That's nuts. Isn't that crazy? I did not realize that. Yeah. Just before I looked. I don't. It, it seems. Before I looked into this, I did not realize. I think that might maybe include DVD sales maybe, but. It's got to, but that's great. That's wild. Yeah. That rocks. Said Tomas, now looking at the full picture, they can go back and hear the music after a two-year period and have the opportunity to listen again. But in, in light of uncovering the discovery, uncovering the secrets and see what, where everything came from, even if we left a lot of doors closed in the film itself. We really wanted to make the whole thing fit together, but also not to explain everything. You can watch it once, twice, three times, and there is always a little details to pick up. Daft Punk wrote the story of Interstellar 5555 in 1999. It's a story about the dangers of losing your artistic identity and the wildly capitalistic world uh, of industry art. By the time Daft Punk completed the movie and were doing press uh, press tour in 2003 to promote it, things had gotten much worse in their mind. Said Tomas, in 1995, we thought we could change the recording industry, not from the outside like Detroit Techno did, but from the inside. From this point of view today, given the proliferation of formatted products, our revolution has been a failure. We were optimistic. We are no longer. Today, it is impossible to recognize ourselves in the industry. (laughs) 
that is a man defeated. <laughs> that's, Absolutely. That's bleak. that's bleak, right? Specifically, in the four years since Daft Punk had written the idea for the movie, pop culture had given rise to the shallow, singing-based reality TV competition shows like American Idol uh, uh, and, in France, a show called Fame Academy, which I've never heard of, but apparently was enormous. I get, like, around the time that Interstellar 555 came out, uh, I, it was something like like 15 of the top 20 number one singles in in uh, France that year were from people from this show. So it was just like that's nuts. huge said Tomas, you know, now there's all this wave of reality TV and the music industry is really somewhere where we don't feel we belong. We're very excited by music, but we still have to find the angle on it. We prefer it's quite sad. It's even worse than 10 years ago. When we were start when we started out, we thought the situation was bad, but then ultimately we got to be quite successful, sell records, and be able to be a part of something. But now uh, there's the supremacy of the star system, the manipulation of art, people just wanting to be picked by television system and be made into stars in a very passive way. They don't uh, they don't want to act to change things; they just want to be changed. We were writing about these machines that change people into. Uh, this horrible thing, a manufactured pop star, and now people are proud to be transformed, proud to be taken and manipulated. We're so happy in the meantime to have worked on the movie because it's another form of expression and creation. The music industry is like a big competition. Sometimes it can be can, uh, can be exciting and you want to be part of this competition and sometimes you just have to say, forget it. I'm not part of this at all. You know what else happened in 2003 that I think is super important and notable to talk about? iTunes iTunes is no. August 2003. I mean, I'm sorry. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk April about that so that's, way more. Yeah. In this app? Or no, later, we're going to yeah. talk about iTunes. But that would have been. So this is this. I know that like last week, our time. So what? what is this? So, last so, week, our time, iTunes turned 18. So that means that iTunes came. iTunes we should, was yeah. introduced let's do, a, a month before. Let's table that for next week. Before uh, they uh, released this. Because I, I truly don't think. That they have – these two guys are were very smart about digital media yeah. in a way that we're going to talk about next week. Uh, um, um, they, they were actually much much more forward-thinking than most of the industry. Yeah, and I've got yeah. some – I found some really interesting things that we're going to talk about in the Daft Club episode next week. Yeah. But I think outside of just like the, the technological side of, 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 of – Daft Club, I think what I'd bring attention to about iTunes is, again, the rise in potential like 15 minute flash in the pan celebrities or whatever, which Mm. I think we, you know, with American Idol, with with all of these different competitions and things, I think that that does give rise to 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 that uh, that mentality, that breakthrough and get my little 15 minutes of fame instead of, you know, be an artist that I mean, they're they're very Daft Punk is very much a I mean, do you remember you remember like how this entire country for a month was captivated by William Hung. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's exactly what they're like. Yeah. We're trying to do something here and everybody just wants to hear William Hung sing. She bangs. Yeah. But I think then the other side of that, where like, again, you could see some hope is 2003. uh, That's white stripes elephant. I would, I would imagine that when, when they're talking about playing a white stripes song, that's probably seven nation army. Cause that's probably the, the one of the biggest songs in the world at this point in time is seven nation army. Yeah. Um, So I guess there is the other side of that too, as you can find examples of uh, what is becoming more, more fleeting. I think at the time of, of somebody who's 
or artists who are making these more con- con- yeah. concept-driven things. And at their level, I mean, this is what they're looking at the music industry, like capital yeah. M, capital I, but yeah. also all of these things are extensions of the internet and its proliferation. Right. And that also flattens it in a way where any person can get together and write music and upload it and we can circumvent the needing the music industry in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it is, it's, I think, I think it's all just a discussion of what the internet is changing as yeah. people get more connected. So in, in these interviews, Daft Punk made a point to let people know that they were not currently working on any musical projects in, you know, 2003, they wanted people to understand the increased callous money grabbing of the industry was dragging them down. Said Tomas, we're not part of the whole circus. We, uh, we don't condemn it. We're okay with it. I can watch reality TV just like anybody, but I just don't want to be part of it. I, I t- took a quote out from, from Guimon. It was like, uh, I, I watch fame Academy. I like, I think that it's funny, but I don't think that a 12 year old understands that it, that it's funny cynically. I think, you know, I think they're just like learning a bad projection of the capitalistic view of music. Yeah. An interviewer from the Australian magazine Ministry pointed out a few examples of predatory industry behavior like Phil Spector or Elvis's manager pushing him to dilute his career with like schlocky movies. Tomas replied, of course, this has always happened. But before it was a secret. That's the point uh, of the movie we've done. It's always been seen as morally evil. And if and it was a secret and it was hidden. The problem now is. is not the fact that people are doing this. They've always been doing it. The problem is the fact that they do it with pride. It's become a good thing, something to be not to be blamed for. There was no religion in fake before. Now television is showing the opposite of spontaneity, and they show it in good light. Like, oh, yeah, that's the way we do it. <laughs> That's a that's a lot of talk from the man who turned his big album into a cartoon. <laughs> like, but there's a that's diff- very funny. There's a difference between that and like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, yeah, I hear what he's saying, but yeah. also like, they turn their <laughs> album into a cartoon that played on Cartoon Network. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, that's yeah, very yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, that's a twenty five year old. That's a twenty five year old. I see his frustration with it though. Yeah, he's, like, he's I, correct. You know, like, like this is this is the year that like from Justin to Kelly came out and those two people were by signing up for that show were contractually obligated to do that God awful movie before they even were on their first episode. Like they had those two kids had no choice in the matter. They, they signed a thing to audition and because they were the final, the two finalists, they had to be in that movie. Yeah. That sucks. And that, I think that's what he's talking yeah, about. Cause interstellar would have sucked if they, were being forced to do it yeah. if they had to turn their album into Sailor Moon, but they chose to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. They wanted to be Sailor Moon. That's very funny. Tomas and Guimond may not have been working on uh, post-discovery music yet, but by 2003, you can hear the frustration and industry burnout that ultimately influences the raw, pared-down sound of Daft Punk uh, that they will unveil with Human After All. Discovery was all about a return to innocence. The recording industry would not let Daft Punk stay innocent forever. Do you guys want to talk about the movie? Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's do it. I mean, that's that's why we're here, right? Yeah, that's why we're yeah, here. That's why we're here. Well, let's get to it. Uh, I f- I loved it. It's I, fun. I think it is fun. Again, I um we've talked a little bit off off screen a little. Now we're gonna talk on air here. I I think it could have used 
I'm going to say it. Hot take. I think it could have used a few words. I agree. <laughs> uh, I, and I, I, I don't, I just want to get that out of the way at the top here because I do, I do overwhelmingly enjoy this. I but, have not, I have not really revisited it since yeah. I got this DVD when it came out. Right. I used to watch, you know, I used to watch it reg- fairly regularly. I don't know, but I had a great time sitting up in my vibe den. Watching oh, absolutely! This. And I think that like it's cool to go like like in the past. I had never looked it up. Like, explain to me what everything is. Go- you know, internet, Reddit forums, whatever. Tell me what's going on. And like, I I really feel like with like a couple well placed spots and dialogue, I could have got a lot. <laughs> understand. So, like, I did on. not need this to be a just a visualizer yeah. for the album. I would have been fine if they did not put all of discovery. Right. And you know, and I yeah. know there are little bits that aren't in there. They kind of shave stuff down, but like, I would have been fine if they had not done every song and if they had crafted some dialogue, uh, and a little more sound effects, there are some sound effects, but if there are more, very, you know, like very, very but, but minimal also, sound effects. What would, I also recognize that the scope of this project would have been, really different money-wise if they had done yeah more of a narrative yeah. with sound you know they they that would have been I think it eight. looks great yeah. i think the the colors are amazing the design of it's amazing uh uh i i like it for what it is i can see like there is a there is a fuller fleshed out version of this that is like a full movie but this is four million bucks yeah without without that without that which yeah. would have been yeah uh english voice cast japanese voice cast french voice cast right they would have to right? do a bunch of di- this yeah. would have that would have been this would have cost twice as much yeah if at they least. Had done that. i mean yeah. i don't i don't i i i, I like eh, it's it's i love discovery so much that like i also really i i, I really like the the plot of of Interstellar. Yeah, I really like the message they're trying to send, and I, I I I don't think I got the message as clearly at any other time. In my, I mean, I've seen this a handful of times yeah. throughout my life, and I I you know I, I never really. I don't know. I didn't get it as much as it I made this I, having researched the show as much as yes. I had this. This made so much more sense. Absolutely. To me now, after right. everything I know about these guys p- yes. from this show. Um, so yeah, it opens with one more time. This is such a fun thing with like oh, the so little cool. blue guys it's partying so on the cliffs cool. and yeah. stuff. Like seeing their home world. Like that whole that whole thing is. I great. love their TVs. How they're like ball yeah. things. They're not like TVs and they're kind of. Floating. My favorite part of it was that they zoom out from the club they're playing on, and like just like little blue guys are sitting in their little cave homes and like grooving out to the song yeah. on their on their like patios. I love that it's kind of like, like you know, little world the, building. The scale is cool. of the world building, I really enjoy right off the bat. I enjoy that it starts really high up in space. It zooms in. Close Close to the stage, and then it kind of scans this this world. I would absolutely party uh, in that club. I would party oh, yeah. on that planet, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I have partied on as that far planet. As Up here, parties, played, yeah. the Matrix Two. That there <laughs> yes. are a few fictional raves that. Uh, yeah, definitely the Matrix Two. The Tron <laughs> Legacy party. Yeah, where they're DJing. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, well, we, We'll spend some time thinking of fictional yeah, we, party. We'll maybe, make a list. Uh, maybe uh, we'll, uh, we'll on a live2021.com, we'll write a blog post of like the top 10 fictional. Someday we'll do a bonus episode ranks. about let's, let's pitch, let's, let's, fictional let's raves. Let's pitch that to Nick uh, at one point the in time. Best top 10 fictional, fictional raves. Fictional raves in movies. And According TV. to live2021. Let's, yeah. That's a pitch. 
There we go. That yeah, that, I would read that. I one. would read that, if that too. If I saw a leak to that on on Twitter, I'd absolutely fucking click are on really, that. Are we selling this pitch live on the <laughs> yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very weird energy. Uh, the the transition, the the transition from one more time into aerodynamic. Yeah. The with the church bells and then the guy swooping in. Mm-hmm. That was. Fuck, that was like maybe the coolest, yeah. like most intense part of the whole thing. I love that. I mean, this is it's very well done in moments like that. Yeah, it really, it's very cool, and it does. It, you know, the stakes are there. Um, it, you know, I, I like that whole. Yeah, that whole thing was that whole thing was. Oh yeah, well done. I think that it's it. it, it you know, it it it's. I remember. Um, I remember this not being as high stakes as it is throughout the whole thing which is another cool thing about about seeing this um it does feel high stakes i mean right off the bat i mean as soon as aerodynamic starts it's like okay stakes are as high as they can be you know which is always a a great um a great thing uh i think in 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 story writing like plot writing i think it's funny that the one character arpeggius is like he sees his band getting kidnapped and he doesn't try to save the day. He just fucks off. He just yeah. runs. That's good energy. <laughs> yeah, he's just like that's Scooby Doo shit. That's Scooby Doo shit. They and then that like really dramatic like dude like putting that bow together. That was great. What is what I really liked about rewatching this is this is a style of anime that doesn't exist anymore. Right. You know, like this visual style, the way it's drawn and then the way they produced it just doesn't exist. And it's fun watching stuff from this era. They take, I, 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 I like um, noticeably for me, uh, cause I, I do like anime. They take a lot of uh, medium distance shots and a lot of cool angles. I, I noticed like yeah. angles from like the street or angle, you know, like, yeah. like they put the camera quote unquote in, in yeah. weird there's places some, that I really think is, and is very some, cool. It makes it look expensive. It, it does. And, it, and it, again, it makes it feel very like a big world. Yeah. Uh, the, nothing feels very small I know, until they want you to, I know, small. you know, I don't know much about anime, but I know that there's a lot of like limited movement or whatever. Some of this is just like nice paintings. Yeah. yeah. And it's really like, it looks That's really massive. great. Um, digital love, uh, uh, that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Cool. It is hard to like go back and rem- like. Yeah, a, yeah. This is the we- plot just clips along so yeah. fast that like at a certain point. I'm just grooving out. So digital videos. digital love is is when Shep, uh, we meet Shep on yeah, the ship. Yep. We find we see the guitar ship. Wakens from a dream about Stella and a, just just uh, to a distress call about the kidnapping and pursues the kidnappers through a wormhole. So that is yeah, when he it, crashes on Earth is digital love. Yeah. This is our first trippy trip yep. through the black hole, and that that was I, I like that energy. Yeah. I've been there. I've been there. I, I never left. Up I've there. been I've been there. Like standing Again, in a river. Uh, I've been there. Shep, uh, cool character. Um, you know, cool. I would. I would. Be, so Shep is. is I would be um, Shep for Halloween. Incredible. Honk. Shep is is uh, on a mission. Uh, on a mission due to his his crush on Stella. Is Stella's yeah. the, the he gets bass word. Player. He gets word from the homeland that yep. this has happened, and he's he's going to save him. Yeah. Uh, harder, better, faster, stronger was perfect vibe. Like the factory, them getting. Like, this is what I remember most. Yeah. From because this is like this is like perfect like form makes function. Like we've talked, we talked about in the discovery episode about how this is like a factory song. You were like, you could see this yeah. in like a Ford commercial yeah. and in here we get them. You get it. You get me- that. being. And I think part of my brain that remembers it that way, remembers that 
from seeing this on Toonami and not really remembering yeah. seeing it that way. But also, I think like okay, so 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 it's really rough. I want to go really rough, big picture plot because maybe somebody didn't didn't watch this oh, and sure, yeah, know what we're it. saying. So essentially, there's these blue people on an alien planet. Uh, they're the Crescen Dolls. They're a band. Uh, it's really groovy planet of a lot of blue people dancing. Uh, pretty much, they get kidnapped by a, a human. They get kidnapped by a human. They get implanted with mind control devices, which is where that's when we're hearing harder, better, faster. Songs. Yeah, honestly, like that them changing their childhood memories. Yeah. I was mad about yeah, that. No, that that's fucking diabolical to um, change somebody's childhood memories. Cool. Yeah. But that's I mean, cruel. Uh, so, so that's then the they, they go about. from, they go from being the blue guys to being mind controlled humans and they are playing for humans and they are, they are, you know, they're, uh, they're playing, um, they have no, they have no free will. Anymore. They have no free will. They have mind control systems, uh, and and they are, um, they're, you know, they're 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 taking the pop culture world by storm. Uh, the Crescendals. This is are. the exact plot of the movie The Apple from yeah, it really Goldham. is. It's yeah, very it similar. really is. It is. I was thinking about that the whole time I was watching it. If you have never seen The Apple by uh, Menachem Go- Globus. <laughs> Do uh, go- your Golem. Se- Golem. His Globus, Globus is Golem his and Globus. partner. Yeah. Golem and Globus. If you've never seen the Apple, do yourself a favor. It's one of the most wildly It's very wild. incoherent disasters. Again, what a treat. Uh, what a I, treat. I, I love disco it. nightmare that I love. As it's, much as like it's a sidebar, uh, that opening the opening uh, song in that movie rocks. The if opening you sequence like is disco, great. You would love this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, so so essentially, then they are they are um, they're they're being mind controlled uh, to take over pop culture and music, um, and then yeah, pretty much Shep comes, sa- sacrifices himself to save most of them. Doesn't get Stella freed from mind control. Eventually, right. they free Stella with a laser later on, uh, and then they go back home, and then we find out that this was all in the kid's imagination. <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty much it. Oh, Rob, yeah. Big rough click plot here. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's very at the, it's like in the transition between harder, better, faster, stronger, and crescendals. The the guy at the um, at the record company puts in a VHS tape to watch the band to find, to learn about the band, and that like this is supposed incredible. to be like a futuristic thing, and he's watching the crescendals on a VHS tape. That's very funny. Incredible. <laughs> in two thousand one. There, like DVDs already exist, and they chose to make a, it a VHS. There's tape. a movie called. There's a Disney Channel original movie called Smart House. Yeah, and it posits that this is a world where the house is like got a very a, smart, a, a very smart, and it's it can very do smart house. it can do anything. It can like just like if you spill something, the house just like sucks it up through the counter. <laughs> yeah, you can like watch things on full walls and change the shape of your house. The house has a big special robot arm that catches the newspaper that's great in this future world the newspaper still being thrown at your house but, but they have a, got this a like, robot <laughs> arm that can that's catch it funny. That you don't need a, a dog to pick up your newspaper anymore <laughs> it's uh, so far in the future that all of these things exist but we're still <laughs> using the newspaper yeah, yeah. That's what, like, i put in my vhs tape into my digital wall or that's whatever what i think like it's driving everybody crazy to be in the future now because we don't have the robot arm but we also don't have the newspaper <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, it's like we 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 got rid of we got rid of the thing we liked, but we didn't get any of the cool stuff. <laughs> so during uh, during Crescendals, right? Uh, so so this so the plot of the Crescendals part 
is uh, the captor uh, Earl Day Darkwood is his name uh, is posing as their manager and presenting them uh, t- to the the record label as the Crescendos. This specifically gives give like lands for me that Daft Punk themselves knew how much of a hit One More Time was going to be. Yeah, because they they make a movie around the fact that this is the number one song in the glo- like in the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. they un- like that. Like I never. It's I, hard I mean, to, it's, it's, hard it's to crazy. Know. Again, I want to take. I want to point out again that we we learned. During the Discovery episode that they were done with One More Time in 98. Yeah. And this is 2003. So this is five years yeah. later from writing that song that it is still a huge, a it's huge hard to, point. It's hard to know exactly like if if a band ha- knows they have a hit on their hands. Yeah. I think this proves that Daft Punk knew, <laughs> knew I, I that think, that song was going to be revolutionary. I, I think so. I mean, I mean like, I, yeah. There's a, there, so in the crescendos, there's a clip where... Uh, they very quickly showed like uh, uh, bio cards on TV for for all the band members, and I, I wrote them all down because they're very funny. Arpeggius is from London. He's 27. He loves jet ski, comma gourmet cooking. All right, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, check out my single on Spotify right now under the name Devin Jetski, yeah. uh, or wherever you stream music. Jet skis rock. Yeah, and not, that he, is very funny to he me. He doesn't like jet skiing or jet skis. He likes. Jet ski. <laughs> he hates Golden Boys. Absolutely. Uh, Barrel is the drummer. He's from Munich. He's 20. Loves boxing, beer, and horror movies. Hey, Amen. You know what he hates? Ice skating. Of course he does. <laughs> he doesn't look like a guy who likes ice skating. <laughs> Octave. He's the, he's the, uh, he's the singer. He's Brooklyn. He's 32. Uh, so there's 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 12 years between the youngest guy and the oldest guy in this band, and they're from Munich. They're from Brooklyn. all over the world. Incredible. He loves. They're from. They're from where? They're from. They're around, from around the world. Around the world. Uh, Octave loves dancing, chess, and DJ. <laughs> he loves DJ. He, he loves DJ. loves DJ. You know what he hates? Injustice. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <Because>, um... <laughs> Stella, she's from Memphis. She's 24. She loves. Fashion, shopping, and the rodeo. <laughs> and she okay. hates she hates animal hunting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's because I hate animals. She hates animals. She <laughs> hates animals. Um Yeah, so uh uh that then that's when when that's when uh Shep gets he crash lands on Earth and night vision, he's like a hobo, you know? <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. So night, during night vision, it is the it's fa- it's from Crescendo. At the end of Crescendo's, there there uh, the band are forced to sign a bunch of marketing materials, yeah. and then it goes into Shep discovering what's happening. Shep the hobo the, living yeah, on the exactly. street, eating yep. like shipopo. <laughs> shipopo. <laughs> uh, superheroes is another highlight of the movie. They're playing the concert, and Shep's like like storming in yeah dude that's a cool part that's a great sequence like visually very very cool i love that song it's per it's like a perfect visual for the song he's like storming into this crowded arena on this like jetpack thing and he heroically rescues uh, uh most of the band but then earl darkwood like blocks stella from from it uh uh that was that's a great one uh this is also where like they they escape this is also where shep gets shot She's from Memphis. Yeah. All right. Uh, my brain just did like a little Kevin Bacon separation. And I'm wondering if 
for some reason, Stella, Stella, streetcar name desire, Tennessee Williams, Memphis, Tennessee. Is there a line we can draw there from Memphis to Stella? Memphis, Tennessee Williams. I think we have to. And I think my brain just did it. So I'm going to point out that my brain did it. Uh, I would, I would, (laughs) I would pay money to hear marlon brando scream inner stella <laughs> i would i would pay money we to digitally that. have the technology we digitally have the technology happen. we they they made uh friggin uh fred astaire dance with that broom we could do whatever we want yeah we can do anything <laughs> that swiffer remember when he danced with that swiffer what a treat what a, tr- what a treat for us that what they did that in the, the sense is that that his uh, family estate let them do that in that commercial uh um yeah his entrance is badass this is where he gets hurt uh um this is uh then they go into high life uh i th- this is this was the um uh award sequence this is where we see daft punk the gold record yeah. award the gold record award yep. uh um the record companies are records yeah. <laughs> like there's everything's just everything's labeled like as base yeah. like as it can be but i love this is so this is our actual daft punk cameo they uh they rushed the design of the helmets so that they could get them uh in the movie in some way i think i think probably they planned on this coming out way way sooner than 2003 I'm sure. <laughs> i bet i honestly bet they wanted this to come out yeah they they started production on it a month and a half before the first single though there's just no way right but i mean yeah. i think they were hoping it was going to be part I mean, they were of talking the about it in 99 yeah absolutely high life feels so I don't. I, I I love High Life. It's maybe one of my, it's my one of my favorite tracks on Discovery. It feels so out of place to me, both in this and on the record. And I think it's because it is when I hear it most of the time, it is in sets from yeah. this era. Yeah. At a time where they're not spinning any other part of Discovery. Right. Because it's in like these together sets, these Cassius nights or whatever, these Tomas solo sets. And it's such a, a French touch banger. And it's in a way that Voyager is Voyager spins on um, a bunch of these sets as well. We don't revisit it. Right. With the live it's you. I hear it live a bunch of times, but not with these other tunes. That's true. The only other one they do that with is um, too long. Too long's in the solo sets and yeah. that era, but also on Alive two thousand seven. Right. And it feels like and it's not like it's not like an award show song. So it it no. doesn't quite. It's a cool segment with them learning stuff. It's not, but they don't. It's not. It's not exactly like an award show vibe. It is. High Life is a club track. Yeah, absolutely. In a way, a lot of these songs work at the club but we never hear them in the club yeah that song we heard in the clubs but this is where this is where they also save stella finally yep they shoot her with that gun that yep. little laser, laser gun thing and it breaks their glasses and she can finally she's not quite got her groove back she Stella has not got her groove on back. her way but yeah to eventually she's getting her groove she is back. in the process of getting her groove back she's yeah. actively getting her groove back she's right she's she's working on it yeah she has not gotten it Stella's got to get her Artois, you know? <laughs> uh, something about us. Uh, this is like the love montage. Yeah, it's when he's – well, he – also he's revealing uh, – so Shep, when he's – when he's before he's dying, he's revealing to them who they actually are. Yeah. The, the the segment – the part where he shows them that little toy of them and yep. they understand what's happening. Yep. That's, that's pretty powerful. That's an yeah. emotional little moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Voyager is kind of a weird – song for a death scene but then at the yeah. end when he when but they, it's his they spirit bring, his yeah, spirit rising it's to space like or whatever. yeah through through the funeral part i'm like this doesn't quite fit but when those 
when those like l- like chimes come in at the end and his spirit transcends, I'm like, okay, now I fucking now get it. I get it. Now I now fucking I get can it. Die to this song. Now I fucking get it. Uh, Ghost Ship, I said, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, at, at, at the end of this, I I think it's very funny that the Earl of Darkwood's house is on the sign on the freeway. They're like, yeah. stop the van because the sign's like Earl that's, of Darkwood's that's manor. That's Scooby-Doo energy. Yeah, that's absolutely. Very Scooby-Doo. Well, I mean, this, this is, it's, I mean, it's like his 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 plan is revealed at this part, which like his so plan that, is. No, this is the next, Veritas Quo is the plan. They, Where so, am I at? Yeah, so Veritas. yeah, we're right here. We yeah. Like at the end of, so we go into Veritas Quo, they yep. sneak into his house and they find his book. Yeah, so and his plan is. His plan is. Of course, uh, to kidnap uh, musicians from various universes or galaxies in order to acquire 5,555 gold records with which he can rule the universe. Yeah, he's going to rule his yeah, universe. Yeah. Thing, yeah. So uh, um, uh, the the in that segment where we see his plan laid out, we see him uh, creating some of our uh, our music stars. We see him create. Mozart. Yep. <laughs> we we see him create Jimi Hendrix, Ella Fitzgerald, Janis Joplin, and Jimmy Page. Yeah, that is wild. That's that's wild. That's a wild pairing. So he's been doing this for, for, from yeah. from Mozart to Jimmy Page now to the Crescendals. Uh, that's very funny. Uh, um, and that yeah, that goes straight into that. They get found out, and then they. They destroy the they destroy the lair. That whole segment of him like like being maniacal and like holding these gold records and shoving her into that that yeah. weird thing that's gonna like the crescendals one is the last one he needs. So if he completes his mission, he will he control, will control the, the universe, universe through the power of the golden record. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know me nuts. If the only other thing we got from Daft Punk ever again was they announced they're going to do a live action adaptation of this <laughs> i would love that i would watch that if they made they're like we're gonna we finally spike jones is finally on board he's on board and he's gonna do it I know, and we're gonna and we're I, gonna put our own money to it it's gonna cost 200 million when i <laughs> if we're gonna do it right we're gonna do it right we find it, the technology's there we can do 200 million dollars no cgi practical that, effects I, that was one of the most surprising things i learned about researching this one is that they were like spike jones will you make a live action thing with us for the movie what would that have looked like what would, a, what would a live action thing of, of this in 2003 look like? That would have been nuts. That would have been nuts. It is funny that Spike Jones was like, no, I have being John Malkovich, but really he also had to do Jackass. Yeah, he was too busy doing Jackass. <laughs> he was too busy saying naughty things as a, dressed 90s. as an old woman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so 2003 is, is Big Fish, is 13, is Cradle to the Grave. Uh, is so he uh, was holes is 2003 they were at they talked to him in 99 when they initially had the idea so he was was, the year john malkovich came out yeah so he was like doing post-production but they wanted to nominated for oscars yeah they wanted to they wanted to like move now uh and so they pivoted away from from i guess they were he was the only live like live action filmmaker they wanted to work with uh because that would have that would have ruined I don't. I adaptation comes out in yeah. two thousand two, so yeah. that's those years for him. Yeah, would have right. been nuts if he had done a Daft Punk thing. Um. Uh. Yeah. So Short Circuit is the one where they kind of blow up the thing. Uh. Uh. uh Octave make makes the heist to grab their like memory disc from the. Yeah, and he gets uh, tased. My so this is this is what I thought was very interesting about 
their message here is that the guy that eventually helps them is the record executive. Yes. So they have they have this idea that that there are predatory people taking advantage of other folks, but at the end of the day, the only reason that they were able to to escape and get back to their homeland was because of the guy that really actually believed in the music. But who's notably very giddy and excited all the time. So, like, I, I think that, again, there's another layer to it, too, of not everybody's a bad player, but the bad players know how to take advantage of the excited talent yeah. or the excited music executive or whatever the the, the genuine people yeah because again like it's if you name somebody earl day darkwood like that's not a good guy name or whatever you know uh but it's like i mean there's really not like a i mean there's not a, a evil evil council or there's whatever never it's a, just there's never it's, been a, a good earl of anything uh yeah no except for the earl of sandwich earl gray is a good tea <laughs> right i i don't i don't know what the 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 i don't know what that is as a as an honorific like it's an earl is something like a duke i don't know what it signifies but an earl is some sort of level of importance not enough i I don't i don't know what they do what if you're the duke of earl then then who knows yeah now we're off the duke of earl is the king right duke who Duke, knows? Duke. Of our, our, one of our UK listeners will help us figure yeah, somebody that out. Somebody explain to us. Dismissive. <laughs> Can somebody explain to us what an Earl uh, is and what a Duke is and how they how they interact? And we will touch back with you guys next oh, week. Which one, <laughs> which, which one fucks the other? <laughs> uh, I yeah. love the end. Like we'll the, open our mouths <laughs> on any topic. We really will. We'll discuss anything yeah. no matter how <laughs> no matter how little I know about it. <laughs> Really will. I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk. have an opinion on anything, <laughs> on anything, without putting any thought into it whatsoever. That's what, I mean, that's what podcasts are: it's just people having opinions yeah. on everything. I I love I love like so face to face, like it comes to a head. They get found out. They like they save Octave's life, and and the record executive helps them um, find the ship and and uh, repair it so they can go home. So we're living. This is now an Earth where. Everyone in the world just found out that not only do aliens exist, but all of their favorite musicians through the history of time have been kidnapped and brought back to Earth and secretly turned into humans. Like, what would that do to society if we all just found out that that Madonna and Lady Gaga and, like... Tomas and Guimon. I don't know what it would do to society. M&M, they're all I aliens. I could handle that. I could handle that. I can handle that. <laughs> I... I I could handle. I'm I've ready. been trading my brain to handle information. I'm ready like to that. find out that Fatboy Slim is an alien. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> as soon as he played in that octopus at the London Olympics, I knew he I was. Knew. I knew. I, I could tell. I knew. You don't. You know, we talked about everybody's every DJ's shape. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool that that Fatboy Slim picked octopus, octopus as his shape. shape. It's a great shape. I gotta think of a good shape. I gotta think of the if, for what I'm a famous DJ. I gotta think of my shape. A lot of them have already been claimed. Yeah, they've got a lot. Um. Too long. Uh, uh, it's it is ten minutes here still, and it like it's really it's really sweet. Like them being exhausted and sad and heartbroken in the ship together, and then coming together as a band, and then getting home and realizing how much more like safe and happy they'll be. It was a really cute. And I like this ending. I love the end. That's yeah. It's yeah. It's and then like oh yeah, and then like the that 
the huge black void of the Uruk comes up and tries to swallow the ship. That was very cool. And then space, uh, spaceship is ghost ship is back to defeat him again. <laughs> yeah. Spaceship coast to coast. Spaceship coast to coast. Um, yeah, I, I loved, I loved too long in this and yeah. then getting home and, and realize like rediscovering their love of music again. That was all very well done and cute. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, we, See the little boy. Perfect. I can't. That is the the most difficult. Oh yeah, part for me to wrap my head around that this little boy. Not that he envisioned this, or not that he has the action figures, or that he likes Daft Punk. That he listens to a live '97 on vinyl. He fell asleep. He fell asleep to the end of Discovery on vinyl, but he's fallen asleep next to his his copy of a live '97. He listens to 45 abbreviated minutes of synthesizer noise, like year old ecstasy, like teeth grinding, (laughs) like screeching. uh, I think talking about um, that would kill a little boy. My my preferred album of choice when I was seven was. Looney Tunes sing the Beatles. <laughs> this kid is listening to a live 97. But it could be also. That would, that would kill. It would what stop he, a little boy's heart what is to he, hear noises like that. Like, what is he into now? What, if that was his entry point to <laughs> he's music. Dead. He's dead. Yeah, yeah, he's, it he's totally dead. could it be, though, though. That, that, that <laughs> having heard what we've talked about today, that could totally be a nod to five-year-old Tomas and Giman watching whatever. And then again, we've talked about Leji Matsumoto again, uh, g- connecting oh. to, to uh, that similar stuff at that age. So I think that that, that makes a lot more sense to Absolutely. me now yeah. after the fact of like that, especially Daft Punk thinking they can change things from inside or whatever, showing that feels like almost a thesis yeah. of, 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 childhood wonder of, of childhood wonder yeah. again i mean all of it really like after after the discovery episodes and and, and going back and, and looking at all of this stuff this whole thing makes so much sense to me as a film um given the context you know i just again i wish every single person whoever i saw it had the context we have today you know um the because thing, it really is it really is a masterpiece when looked at that way the only thing that made me furious about this movie yeah is that they showed that kid with these two adorable Daft Punk plush toys and then they never fucking made those. Yeah, right. I want those. I want those like big head plush versions of yeah. I would need those for the vibe then and they never made them. You know what else though? Going back to having to your vinyl thing, like that that record is still spinning. You mean to tell me that that 5-year-old kid fell asleep during a live 97? No, he's he's falling asleep to Discovery. You know what it really of, is the, is the, the a live 97 is just on the ground. A live and they 97 show, they show the last thing you see is, is Discovery is on, the Discovery is, album. Is the Discovery yeah. album. A live okay. 97 comes out in 2001 well okay. so it's, we'll it, talk about it next week but it is initially a uh it's it comes it comes out as something you can buy around the time of of this actually right. 2003 so they're promoting it yes with the, yes the, <laughs> you can buy this you can buy it you can buy you can this buy this stuff. now i know we had it for free on <laughs> daftclub.com but now it's you can buy all it. co- our all cartoons are commercials for toys and shit. Yeah. And this is a cartoon. This is a commercial for an album. For an album. For a 45-minute live set. <laughs> this is a... If you look at it as this is an hour-long commercial for... To go a buy... Live 97. That's, that's bleak. <laughs> I spent $4 million to promote 45 minutes yeah. of a set from four years ago. 
<laughs> Fuck it. Well, no, even more. What? That six 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 years ago at this point. Yeah. That uh yeah, but I uh I I really enjoy it for what it is. I'm not a big anime fan. I understand like it, there could be more we could get more depth of character. We could right. have talking what Again. what it is though, it's a space opera set to uh to their album. It's very interesting to me. Now looking back at Discovery, knowing that they that they compiled that as a uh, like a soundtrack to something like this, yeah. And ultimately, I think it's successful. I mean, it really is, especially given you know. Again, I can I can say I would have enjoyed this anime as a standalone movie better if this right. I could say that about the dialogue, like I said at the beginning or whatever. But then again, you know, again, I'll touch on it. Uh, I think that you know, again, given the context that we have, and, and know knowing what the boys are thinking at the time, at this time, hearing words that they've said out of their own mouths today, this makes total sense to me. And I, I again, any anything that I have as a critique of it or whatever is 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 just rooted in, um, you know, it's rooted in 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 in. in you know, cutting it out of the whole, uh, the whole Daft Punk picture. I think it fits perfectly, obviously. Um, um, and I think, I think it's a great, it's a great film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot of fun and I, I, I understand why it would be much more fun to sit with your friends and write an, an hour and whatever long cartoon where you can do whatever you want. That's much more fun than filming five music videos on set. When I think, I think so. of the logistics of that kind of filmmaking, yeah. it, I it would be very fun to be 25 and be like, I have four million dollars I can spend on making. And a, we know a cartoon. They, that rules. We know they don't want to do the same thing twice. They want to expand. Right. This so, would be such a blast. It yeah. would be so fun to do. They this. did the mu- They did the traditional music video yeah. thing, and they had a great time doing it. And they learned a lot, and they used all that stuff to make this, which is something. Yeah, like like they said, like who right? They did Tommy. When was the last time we had like a space opera like this from a, a big band, right? Like this isn't something that people do anymore. I would love like uh, Animal Collective makes like they they've been doing those like Somebody visual album recently. things. I would love to. Uh, Somebody did this recently, and I don't. Uh, if you if you know what I'm talking well, you, about, you, fill you, us in. They I I saw um interstellar brought up in an av club article i got they were like I, yeah. someone else has made well you can think of like you can think of lemonade you can think of Beyonce's lemonade, lemonade you can think yeah. of kanye's power uh power is that what's called I the, don't know. The, the the one with the it's beautiful dark twisted fantasy but it's abbreviated a little bit but it's the one yeah. essentially a, 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 an angel crashes and yeah blah 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 it's a whole thing but there are i mean there are some notable concept visual albums but but yeah, it's definitely few and and far between. Yeah, it's fucking cool. That's yeah, very cool. I really wish we would have got a Ramtasia or yeah, whatever Ram- the hell. Ramtasia. There's that it. There it is, been. folks. That's a good Release that's Ramtasia. That's a good name. Release the Ramtasia cut. Release Ramtasia. Release the Bangalter cut. <laughs> it is funny when I say something and then I'm like, "What am I talking about?" I have to Google why, Go- what I'm talking about. Hey, I, hey, why, Siri, what am I talking what about? Am I talking about? Hey, Siri, what did I mean by it that? It is funny when I have to Google what am I talking about. <laughs> Hey Siri, what am I talking about? I'm <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's Interstellar. We'll be back with Daft Club next week, but uh, notably on da- on Daft Club, the 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 aerodynamic remix in the credits is yep. yeah uh, is in yeah. the Daft Daft Punk remix yeah uh, is, so we'll, is we'll, on Daft Club. So we'll go through uh, we'll go through uh, that album, bad. but we'll also talk a lot about 
the Daft Club, what that was around this time, what they were doing, uh, what the music industry was like, why it was important to them to to look forward and think about the the future, uh, and what exactly it was. Because there's a, some really interesting business side stuff that I uh, I'm learning about these guys from it, there. It really sucks that we will never get to see Interstellar one through five thousand five hundred fifty four. <laughs> I, I know it's lost. It's like Sufjan Stevens like state project at least yeah. he, he at least he got to the michigan one oh, yeah. <laughs> at least he, got he to wrote the a michigan song one. about my hometown on there it's called like for the homeless of muskegon <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks sufian yeah, thanks sufian <laughs> can you imagine if dash punk had released five thousand other anime? <laughs> <laughs> or if they like sufian sufian should not have announced that he was going to do 50 <laughs> state albums he should have just done a couple and said like i might keep this going i don't know <laughs> What was he gonna write about? That's like, a, that's a everyone. Commitment. Listen, I'm gonna write fifty. I'm gonna, albums. You, you, you just wait till you hear my what, Montana. Ba- what, episode. Hey, what band do you know that has written fifty albums? Not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. Uh, so yeah, every week uh, towards the end of the episode, we highlight one track that we've been obsessed with over the last week uh, could be something new could be something old could be uh, an artist we want to highlight uh could be something mega popular that uh, that we're just like this has been an earworm for me recently we don't know uh uh but uh we just want to share our love of dance music with everybody uh and yeah so i picked uh the song his eye is on the sparrow from floor plan This is from the Floor Plan album from 2019, Supernatural. Uh, It was an album I haven't listened to in a while, and it came back through on Spotify recently. And I was like, why why did I, uh, why haven't I listened to this in a while? This is something that you talked about last week with Nick. Yeah. Floor Plan is uh, Robert Hood. Yeah. Detroit's own. Detroit's own. So, like, we talked about this last week. Like, somebody like Robert Hood releases music through all of these different aliases and stuff. Yeah. Floor Plan's probably his most famous one that's not just his name, right? I would say so. Yeah. I think Uh, so. Now, in the last, like, couple years, Floor Plan is him and his daughter. Oh, man, Uh, that rocks. Floor Plan started as just an alias for him to do just more, like, club tracks. And it recently, uh, his daughter Lyric, it's a duo now with him and That's Lyric. That's very cool. Yeah. That is very, very cool. Yeah. So this this is actually floor plan. Like the um, the lyrics to this is Ions on the Sparrow. He's he's become um, spiritual in the last five years or so. And a lot of his lyrics are like gospel. So he's doing like gospel house music now. Uh, uh, but the, this album rocks, go check out, just to go check out Robert Hood. He was one of the founding members of underground resistance. Uh, uh, he's, he's a hugely influential, uh, person in this sound in Detroit techno specifically. Uh, um, him and Jeff Mills are like, just like two of the, two of the most important people to, to the creation of this stuff in this city. Uh, that he should get more love. Uh, uh, He's got an incredible uh, boiler room set. Yeah, uh, I, was it boiler room? It was from a couple of years ago that I was listening to the other day. It was really, really good. Robert Hood rocks. Go check it out. Oh yeah. 
Who wants to go next? I got it. All right. What do you got today? Uh, so I, like I said, I, I spent I spent some time up in the woods over the last weekend, listening to a bunch of different music. Andy says I cannot pick a Daft Punk song, <laughs> uh, but I was also listening to to a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, notably, I listened to a lot of uh, Simi Mobile Disco, and I also listened to a lot of Justice. Uh, and then I thought, uh, here's a good song. Let's do uh, let's do uh, Justice and Simeon, uh, which is We Are Your Friends. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love track. I love that track. I, I, I love Who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? And what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you if you do? What's wrong with you? Uh, but I think notably notably I um I I I uh I grew up on on like the the kind of Detroit garage rock style, you know, eventually that really broke through in, in, in like the white stripes or whatever. But I love, I'm a sucker for that type of vocal. Um, and oh, I man, love we got it. a treat for you. That yeah. reminds me, we got I, a track that you'll like Darren. I'll check. I'm sure I will love it. Uh, but I, I, um, I, I love that overlap with, um, with, with the dancier side of music those vocals can yeah. rock i think that again like like similar similar vocals to like um something that i think daft punk figures out later with using julian casablanca's uh yeah. strokes uh, stroke singer i think that that vocal um style has a home uh that is uh i'd like to explore justice rocks, justice Ju- rocks. Uh, for a long there was a conspiracy online for a long time that uh that posited that justice was Daft Punk, yeah. and it was like a Banksy situation where yeah, it was yeah. like, it's not true. They're different people, uh, um, but um, justice, like there, I, I saw Justice two times in one summer. Yeah, in uh, it was probably like 2014. It was on the um, Cross the Universe tour. I saw them at Ultra Music Festival, festival in Miami, which is just like the biggest house music festival in the world, and. Uh, all of the all of these kids down there looked at it as like the rock show at the dance festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very interesting experience. And then I saw them at Lollapalooza at the end of the summer, and all these like rock punk kids looked at that as like the dance uh, event at yeah. the rock festival. It was very cool to see the juxtaposition and how different those different. Um, uh, justice, communities justice, just that the justice, justice position justice, <laughs> the justice position and see how those two different communities like grooved out to the same set uh um but yeah um justice rocks that's why it's cool like curating a festival like that where you're doing a bunch of genres is cool because yeah. you get to pick you know who's going to be the dance act for the stage for this night that, yeah that, that would be really fun and like injustice can do they can play you know <clears throat> yeah yeah a lot of like rock guitar riffs and shit they're they're a fucking prog rock band that puts like four like beats under it you know <laughs> especially their later stuff like the, what what's the woman is their is their most recent album yeah. right? It's like a prog rock album. It like they've they have an incredible journey as a duo. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about I th- we'll talk about that in the next Daft Punk album cycle because the Daft Punk record makes space for that sound. Yes, yes, that'll be very cool. Yes, uh, specifically we I have you know uh, uh, people talk about how, like the second wave of French touch or whatever french house yeah was kind of like launched by the daft punk record that is kind of underappreciated right we'll talk yeah, about it in a absolutely. couple weeks 
Uh, what's your track? I picked, a cl- I picked just an old uh, 1999 um, Peter Heller's Big Love, uh, and that the track's Big Love. When that what kicks in there, yeah. Hey, you know what? I, I, a lot of house tracks now have a very um, pumping kick and a very like uh, snappy snare. And I like some of the '90s stuff where it sounds more wet and like a thwack. I love There's wet like a, like music. A, <laughs> it's like a bigger, uh, you know, it's like a longer release on the snare and the kick, and it, it, it. It really pounds. That track's 10 minutes long, and it just grooves that groove the whole time. We've talked about it. More songs should be 10 minutes long. More songs should be yeah. 10 minutes long. More 10, 12, 13, 14 minutes long. The good thing about house music is that if you don't if you don't like a particular track, you just have to wait like 10, 10 15, 20 minutes. minutes. <laughs> and then another one will come. What a good song. I'm. This is actually This is actually the inspiration for that HBO show, Big Love. <laughs> 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 this is the IP. <laughs> for that show about um, uh, polygamists. Uh, uh, so that is our episode for Interstellar. Uh, um, again, uh, before we hit record, um, Devin made the um, uh, prediction that this would be one of our shorter ones. We have cleared two hours, so <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. We, um, uh, I think I'm going to stick with my theory that we will talk for at least two hours about anything, Daft Punk, I, no matter what. Uh, 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 this, like, I, I kept finding interesting stuff about yeah. them doing this this record. I have some very cool stuff about them in the industry stuff next week, but I do predict that next week we will be under two hours. I'm, we'll I'm excited next week to uh, return to talking about tunes yeah. yeah absolutely yeah it's been two weeks since we talked about music <laughs> there are I mean, some like, it's, uh, it's gonna be we spend you know we're in the, we're i in mean an album cycle right I, now I, like i looked back at the discovery episode the second part just the part where we talked about one more time was like 20 minutes long yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to talk about uh to talk about daft club i mean yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it a bunch uh but but i i think one of my favorite moments of this spring has been when we just turned on daft club sitting around a fire earlier on in the year and, and it was a, a surprising uh kick kickstart to the conversation i'm sure we'll have uh in depth next week uh but very enjoyable time that oh, that, yeah. that we uh, we'll talk we about when andy and i sweated it out to that demon remix it burns yeah. his house demon remix uh, on there is crazy yeah. absolutely we're gonna have a blast aerodynamite aerodynamite Aerodynam- like, yeah. should be an album track it should be oh, yeah uh the the um yeah the uh um uh, What's the what's the one I like, Devin? You know the uh, we'll the get to it. Yeah, face we'll talk to face. Next week. We got face to face. Cosmo Vitale. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that song deserves a, a shout out pre pre episode. We're gonna have for a blast sure. next week. Uh, that that song rocks. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think uh my my overall takeaway uh purely positive about Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, again, um, um, we're contractually obligated to not say a bad word i'm just kidding <laughs> there's no bad words to say about daft punk uh it's my favorite thing i in think the world. that this is probably the closest we've come as uh, leading off me leading off with there should have been a little dialogue I, I mean i love daft punk and all this stuff i do not feel like 
I mean, I have varying levels of what I think Absolutely. rocks and doesn't rock. It, I, Absolutely. Yeah. It's just I, like, you know, it's it's the difference between an A plus and an A. I mean, it is it is <laughs> judging Daft Punk on Daft Punk standards is yeah. I mean, there's plenty of mainstream stuff out there that is absolute garbage. And I don't think Daft Punk has put anything out that is garbage. <laughs> you know, I I really don't. I, I think that especially compared to what is out there have in the ever, context of when they release you know, stuff. You ever heard they don't release their demos and stuff too. Yeah. They, exactly. yeah, I guess they I, aren't. There you know, I mean there has to be, right? Like so like all of the all of the stuff that they produced for um Yeezus. Yeah. All the the word on the street or whatever is that all of those drum patterns that they that they gave him were da- were ram samples. Sure. So okay. like there is shit out there. there is. They can't work on an album like that for 4 years yeah. and not There's have There's a lot of tracks we never hear. Yeah. It's just it it is you know a lot of bands as they get older will do that like like the, there's a fleet like the rumors Prince. the fleetwood mac rumors album whatever the most recent release of that is is like 70 tracks long yeah it's so many demos and versions of yeah demos. and like you, like it's weezer's cool, done that it. right like the, the deluxe edition of the blue album like yeah. the whole second cd you got was just like worse versions of your favorite songs yeah, or whatever yeah. i think there but for like completionists I don't. I don't think it hurts your legacy to like say like this is some stuff that we were working on that we never decided to put out. I don't think that these guys will ever do that. No, that's uh, not I can't style. believe that they're that Jay Z song that they made put out. There's a reason why they didn't want people to hear it. It's fucking awesome. Right. Yeah. I, I like. I like it. But uh, but there was a. There's some reason that they didn't want it out, and somebody at some record label put it out with without their consent, and now it's out there. If you can, if you check it out, computerized. It like samples their shit from Tron. It's very cool, but they didn't want it out there. This is there's what, a whole album of stuff they didn't want out this there. This is one I don't know if you guys have ever heard this. Uh, th- somebody put this online, like uh, uh, full unreleased Daft Punk demo. What's he saying? Sword in the balls. He is sword in the balls. How many views that got? That prank. Two hundred thousand. That is it gonna break? Here we go. Honestly, I'm curious. I'll throw that in the set. Who gives a shit? Uh, yeah, it fucking grooves. <laughs> Some idiot made that, and it's it's a groover. It's got two hundred thousand views because somebody made a a robot I, voice say "P is stored in the balls." And I just I looked up Tomas on, on IMDb. Um. While we were doing the episode, and he was he plays an extra in the movie with Eric Wareheim. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that? we gotta check that. Yeah, out. Yeah, I've seen stills from that. He's just like sitting on a couch, very awkwardly. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how that came about. The movie's he's not important to the movie. <laughs> yeah, I I, I have not. I haven't isn't, seen it. I've just seen the isn't, picture. Isn't his wife a movie star? His wife is. Isn't she? A uh, yeah, movie Elaine. Star? Uh, uh, we have not talked about it. Elaine. No, we have though. She was in Alias. Okay. Uh, the show? Yeah. I loved that she show. She was in one season, I think, of Alias. She's a God, French actress. So we, we talked about how we don't know uh, um, uh, Tomas's or uh, Guimond's wife's name, right? We do know more, a little bit more yeah, doesn't about. He have, doesn't he have a kid, too, Tomas? Tomas, uh, has, Tomas a, has a couple yeah, kids, yes. Yeah. Um, I Let's see. Let's see. Oh, uh, Elodie Boucher is okay. his wife. Uh, she's a French actress. She's most known for Alias, uh, um, and yeah, they have they have two kids. Um, 
and yeah, they're like they. So they are the two of them are definitely more public facing. Yeah, like, Gimon does. This was such a fun show. Yeah, I wonder if that holds up. I don't know. I never watched it. It was. It was. It was a good show. Plug alias. I love that we clo- we're closing out Daft Punk with the com. It's the candid conversation about alias. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. Just veer into the chatter part of the show. Yeah, yeah we're, 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 we're really ended strong. Here. <laughs> uh, so next next week we have Daft Club. Daft Club, great. And then uh, and then that is it is it is very cool that this um, show is taking on uh, like the the chunks of spurt that they that that. Daft Punk goes Don't through it. Don't ever yeah. say chunks of spurt <laughs> in front of me again. I think you the hell is say wrong it with you? As many times. <laughs> they, just said with a fully straight face, chunks of spurt. <laughs> I was gonna let it go too. I was, but no, no, I was no, never. I didn't think their, so. Their career is defined by these like spurts of artistic. <laughs> these chunks of spurt. They <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, okay. All right. Who are uh, you? They their career is defined by these like s- these short bursts of intense artistic um, output, right? By these clumps of glass. Cl- <laughs> <laughs> so in in a, in a short couple years, they invented the robots. They made a legendary album. They made uh, um, uh, this anime feature. They created um, Daft Club, which is like a very influential, interesting, futuristic way to to put out music. Uh, that's all in these couple years, yeah. and then they go dark, right? Yeah. Uh, next week is our final episode in the Discovery chapter. Right. Uh, and it's cool that this show takes on, like, that we're focusing on specific pockets of their career after the Daft Club one. We move on to their next, their next, their um, next clump. Clump of spurt. <laughs> Chunks of spurt. Daft Club. Daft Club. <laughs> da- oh, man. How is there not a character named Daft Club in one of those Eddie Murphy movies? There's a big fat guy with a hel- robot helmet what on. A, what a missed what a opportunity missed for opportunity. 20 years ago. What a missed opportunity for for Nutty Professor 3 or whatever. Yeah, right. Pay no attention to these lesser clubs. <laughs> this is my son, Daft Club, and his <laughs> fat friend or whatever. The whole, the whole movie's fat. The- <laughs> All right. Uh, the whole... They don't in twenty twenty one you can't make a movie where it's just like look at all these fat people. <laughs> you can't do that now. It's not and, really in two thousand two you could be like, This movie is just like look at these fat fucks. <laughs> Oh boy. Oh, so if you've got a story for us, oh, or yeah, you got sure. something to tell us, uh, you can reach uh, you can reach us. Send us an email at uh, info at live twenty twenty one dot com. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we we love to hear like you. You heard a couple of emails we've gotten uh, um, from fans. We love to hear information that you think that um, we might have missed or some uh, anecdotes that we don't know. If you have a personal story about Daft Punk, seeing them, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're a record producer and you like ran into Tomas in the studio or something. Just uh, email us. Uh, engage with us. We're it's so cool to connect with people all over the world uh, about our favorite band. Info at alive2021.com. I'm on Twitter, Andy. Uh, I'm at, at Dr. Goodtweets. Dr. Goodtweets. I am on all the social medias. I'm at the most Darren, T H E M O S T D A R R E N. And also, I stream uh, uh, video game content over on Facebook Gaming at DSG Gaming. Uh, so check out uh, what's going on there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I am Devin Jetsky on 
Apple Music and YouTube Music and Spotify. Please go follow me there and uh, listen to the track I put out. I've got more coming. Um, you can buy it on iTunes. You can uh, do whatever you want. Like, follow me and add me to playlists and stuff because I need the support on there. And, yeah, email us if, if you have any chunks of spurt that you want to share with us that we could talk about on the show you know my and favorite listen to my chunks yeah listen to, De- listen to my listen chunks to Devin's chunks of spurt yeah, it's a that's like a three and a half minute song plenty that's, of chunks in there yeah that's a spurt and, that's and a spurt for it's sure. a fucking great tune uh and I, i'm not just saying it because it's my buddy Aww. uh um it's a good song you guys spice know my bud? favorite uh spice girl which one? Spurty Spice. spice. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to go Chunky Clumpy Spice. Clumpy Spice. <laughs> My favorite Spice Girls, Clumpy Spice. All right. Without, uh, without any further ado, we will, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Alive 2021 is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and was created by Andy Reid, developed by Andy Reid, Devin Rosenai, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit Alive2021.com.